Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Garage Hammer, episode 43. On tonight's episode, the boys talk. The boys talk? Really? Uh, I'm starting to worry about this job. Yeah, well, then without any further ado, here's your hosts, David Witek and Christopher Barnett. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 43 of Garage Hammer. Episode 43. It's kind of like... Well, it's a prime number. There we go. Yeah, that was all I had. I was going to say it's that number that Grant always says is the most picked number, but I think that's 47. I thought it was 42. Oh, I thought it was 47. It's an odd number that he says is the most picked. Maybe it's 42. Maybe I was wrong. Well, 42 is the answer to life, the universe, and everything. 43 and 47 sound like numbers that I wouldn't normally pick. And then number 23 is that movie with Jim Carrey. He's the one that, that was the one that said that that's the number that always comes up. Never saw it. Me neither, because, well, didn't look any good. No, but you know what does look good to me? Warhammer Me? Fantasy. You look pretty good. Dude. Thank you. Who the heck are you? I'm I'm Skip Stevenson. There we you go. You almost got me. You <laughs> sob. That's <laughs> uh, Dave Whitek, and sitting across from me is Christopher Barnett. Yes, sir. It's true. And you know, I think after you didn't even want to acknowledge that the announcer existed last episode, he seems. He didn't seem. He seemed kind of lackluster today. Yes, he he does. Yeah, I know. Mm, mm. I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to talk to his, yeah. we'll talk to the boss. We'll have to talk to him later. Yeah. Talk to our producer at Daniel. his own apartment where he lives, <laughs> yes. alone from someone else in this room. I am going to uh, apologize right now to the listeners because uh, my voice is kind of shot. I am not sick, but sometimes I lose my you're, voice. You're a little sick. Yesterday, well, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I wound up. Uh, what do you call it? I had, uh, I don't know, I just sometimes I lose my voice, and this morning I was just like, oh, crap, was there it, it is. Was it a shouting at your children contest? Yeah, it You came in third? <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere behind Heather <laughs> and some random stranger. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, why don't you uh, take a little moment now and... Say hi to our sponsors. I w- hi, sponsors. We would like to take a minute to thank you who who make this show possible, like Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois, Unseen Lurker, the independent tabletop wargaming magazine, Game Preserve stores located throughout Indiana, Urza's Den, custom painting and sculpting, Battle Foam, protecting your... Uh... There we go. There we go. And weird worlds terrain. What's your world? You know, Dave, you can find links and information for all of these sponsors, both in the show notes and also on our website, garagehammer.net. You know, folks, Christopher doesn't even read that anymore. Word for word, he has it memorized. It's so good. <laughs> well, we have done well, this for 43 thing, episodes well, now. The funny thing is I'm reading along with you on the script, and you don't go off by even a single word. It's like you don't... There's well, I think no, I add, did, did I add independent to... Uh, oh, you did. Yeah. Inde- yeah, you did. Mm-hmm. So one word, I added Going a new word. script. Look at you ad-libbing. <laughs> freestyling. <laughs> freaky, freaky, freestyling. <laughs> you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Oh, Boo. God. All right, we have a shout-out. Yes, we do. Um, oh, Now, it's on your iPhone, so why don't you hand that sucker bloop, over bloop, to me, bleep, bleep, and uh, I'll get over my Luddite sensibilities and read it from the iPhone here. All right. Yep. 
Now, this one is from the Zelitsky family. Yep. i got to pan down here to get to the page. Here we go. Here is the shout-out. This is a shout-out from Mark, Kylie, and Colin Zelinsky to the uh, to the Garage Hammer crew. Hey, that's us. That is us. Looking forward to a great convention-filled 2012. Adepticon, Origins, Game Day, Gen Con, and maybe even Blood in the Sun. Lots of Warhammer and gaming goodness to look forward to this year. The new Vampire Count stuff's looking great. Colin is currently working on some hex raids right now. Here is to hoping that Topher has not inhaled too much resin dust from building all of that Forge world he got for his birthday. Happy birthday again, buddy. Thank you very much. And yes, I've been actually just putting my mouth right over the <gasps> breathing in the, you know. <laughs> You're going to make Cranky's contest unnecessary if you keep doing that. We'll have to just look for someone anyway. Is he coming up with another one? No, but the whole replace Christopher. Keep inhaling resin fuel. Well, that was last year. I know. So who won? Meal Vermeulen won. Ma- mazel tov, Meal. So, Meal, if you're listening, um, yeah, Cranky's, Cranky goes you a battalion. So, just to f- wrap up the shout-out, he says, keep uh, Chris, and by Chris, that's Chris Yu, the uh, the Tang, and Grant, <laughs> Handsome and Fetter coming back. We really enjoy hearing them on the show. And, of course, we need much more Phoenix Prince. See you at Adepticon. NW the- who? NW2! I saw that on Twitter today. I was like, oh, my God. So thank you very much to the Zelensky family for the shout-out. We appreciate it. Yes, we do. Look forward to seeing you. Uh, if we don't see you before then, it sounds like Adepticon's the next time. Uh, yeah, I think so. Cool. cool. All right. Uh, quick break and back with uh, news and rumors and a garage manager. Fantabulous. You've heard him on the show. You've seen his work on our website. He's Brian Steele, owner of Urza's Den. That's right, folks. Urza'sDen.com. Custom modeling, sculpting, and painting. You got a model you don't want to paint? Send it to Brian. You got an army you don't want to paint? Send it to Brian. You can't come up with an idea for a conversion? Give his ideas a try. Heck, you got an army list with models they don't even make? Brian's the man. Give him a call. Check him out at Urza'sDen.com. You won't be sorry. We're back. Back. Backity back back. That's what we do. We come back. We just keep coming back. The show just keeps on. Like a cold sore. Ew. Well, you know, I sometimes get those. Some, I don't get those either, actually. Thank uh-huh. God. <laughs> Somehow, okay. through a miracle, I never got them. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. You're dodging bullets. <laughs> <laughs> well, we. I'm like the, the matrix of my adolescence. Yeah. <laughs> And we just didn't have a lot of dates. That pretty back much then I didn't made no, it very easy very to true. not not get a cold sore. Hey, pretty girl, will you go out to the prom with me? No. Fine, I'll play Warhammer. <laughs> End of story. I didn't start playing until my kids were born. I needed something to do. I don't have an excuse. I, I can't go out. <laughs> so I started playing in '94, and by then I got dates, and I still played. Oh, that's because it's awesome. Yeah, that's true. All right, so uh, we're on to the uh, we're on to the news and rumors, dude. Since we recorded like what ten, twelve days ago, there's really nothing. There's almost nothing. Yeah, we we don't have any nothing. We don't have anything to hang our hats on for the rumors. Forge World hasn't put out anything. Now I did have, but um, from what I'm hearing, it, I mean, we all we all keep hearing Empire. I don't, I don't think there's any any. No one is contesting the idea that the strongest rumor out there, the most evidence suggests, still to this moment, that Empire will be the next army. Yes. And uh, I was listening to the latest Ohio Hammer, and I agree completely with Mark uh, Dieter was saying. And he su- he suggested that it's going to be the true litmus test. Th- those are these are his words mm-hmm. of um, of the future of Warhammer and how they handle the Empire. Will they even limit their magic? 
and I'm very curious about this myself. We actually even speculated on it, I think, in our last podcast a little bit. Yeah. So I'm very, uh, I'm very excited and very curious to see the direction they take Warhammer through the Empire. Yeah, um, I'm pretty excited myself. I, I was, you know, of course, being a being, being a greedy type. That, well, actually, when this when this episode goes up, because what what is today? Today's the today 16th? is the uh, oh, yeah, sixteenth. It's a date. <laughs> but, <laughs> date uh, and time. The show's going to go up on the twenty fifth, and that's the last. Uh, that's the last Saturday of the month, mm-hmm. which is when White Dwarf should ship. Which is when they will announce something. Whatever's going to be in March, I still kind of have to believe. If I'm being realistic, I think you're going to see second, models. You're going to see a second wave. Second wave or yeah. third wave of whatever needs models. Uh, I still don't think you're going to see a book two months after a book. You're probably right. I don't. I hope you're wrong, but I don't think I you would are. I love to see a new book, but I'm, I'm really thinking it's going to be April. They're going to give people a chance to digest the, uh, excuse me, the VC. Um I'm really interested to see how they take this, too. This will be the first Army the book that they've put out in 8th edition that doesn't have its own lore. Right. I don't think they're going to get their own lore. I think that would be silly. I can't help but wonder what they're going to do for the priests' spells I, and effects. Yes. I, I, I firmly believe, after having read the last four books, that they are going to completely rewrite this book again. There's, it's not going to be just a tweak. No, it's probably I, true. Uh, the question is, will they... They've done this before, what I call you know the revisionist history yes. of Warhammer. It's like, okay, well, the Slanish and Corn used to be at war. No, no, not anymore. Now it's Corn and Zinch, for example. Right. Will they do that with the Empire? Right now with the Empire, they have... Near unlimited access to the eight lores of magic. Will they change that? Will they say, okay, the true, you know, the true power in the empire is now Sigmar, and you know the priest spells are now a lore, and if you want anything else, you're limited to these? Or will they say, fine, but you can only have one lore in the entire army? Or will they just completely keep the door open? Well, I mean, your guess is as good as anybody's at this point. Um, my, my guess is that the door will stay open. But there's a part of me that knows that GW is very good at surprising me, and I'm kind of waiting, waiting for something. Four books, and yeah. I will say this much: I've been pleasantly surprised. In my heart, I think what's going to happen is that they're not going to change too much. They'll still have the eight lores, but then that's the second guessing: is what will they do to make me be off my, you know, off my prediction? What will they do instead? I think you're going to see the the priests, the warrior. The, the guys who have, like, what is it, like the bound-type spells? The Priests each of Sigmar, yeah. Yeah, I think those are the guys you're going to see a change from. I would love to see more development of those, though, because the Empire has a fascinating mythology. Yes. Shalia, who's the goddess of healing, I yes. think, more the god of death. Um, I, it would be fun for me some to see Some Priests of Ulrich with some other spells. Yeah, the White Wolf. Cool. Right? Oh, that'd be great. I'd love to see them develop their knights again, bring back the versatility of their knights, and I'd like to see them... Rather than focus more on their magic, focus on their magic through the priests. Yeah, I mean, all of those things are possible. I mean, I, I really think I think you, you're obviously going to see a completely rewritten steam tank. I think it's going to be. I suppose you're right. It's still going to be awesome, um, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not completely you think, rewritten. You think fewer rules, rules moving parts. Like instead of committing a certain number of dice, it'll just work this way. Uh, I, I don't even know, but I know all of the really cool big things that had a whole complex set of rules have so far been getting getting revisions. Yeah. And let's be honest, I'm just looking forward to an army where you don't have to have one or two steam tanks to be competitive, as people say. Now, I know not everybody says that, but you'll hear yeah. a lot. I need a Well, I, I think that there are other builds out there. We were just at, or I was just at Wapaka, and Meal is a, a very good player, Meal Vermeulen. 
Yeah, Meal was playing him. Meal is uh, playing the Empire, and he has uh, he had a mostly artillery army, but no no steam tank. Right, and he did very well for himself. I mean, ultimately, he did have one bad game, and I think it knocked him a little lower in the standings than he was hoping. See, and I think possibly my my this idea that you have to have a steam tank. Part of it is it's it's a it's really good. Sure, but B is when you look at I keep I keep looking at everything filtered through you know the UK comp where you can't have too much artillery because a lot of things get limited. You're limited to a certain number of war machines and stuff, so you wind up needing that steam tank um, because you can't just you can't have a ridiculously heavy uh, battery behind you. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I really yeah, me too. I'm excited. Um, you know, I was kind of looking over the book. I think that. Um, well, I, I I think that it's gonna you're, we're gonna see balance. You know, not just certain things. I think that'll be nice. They've managed to maintain balance so far with the armies that they've come out with. So, yeah, I would expect the same. At this point, I do have expectations that are very high for them. I so. wonder if the great swords are going to get cheaper. Dollar-wise or point-wise? Dollar-wise. <laughs> 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 I meant point-wise. Oh, sure. Hey, great swords, half off. When the hell have you... <laughs> That would be nice, wouldn't it? I mean, they're called gold swords in Australia. I mean, so well, cause, I mean dude, they're, they're, they're another of these 10 for $41. I, but you know what? They're the same cost as a box of 10 of a lot of the other elite yeah. models. Now, um, they were the first one that did it, though, and we all, like, our jaws dropped. Yeah. I wouldn't mind it. I like them. I I think that they do well. I think it's a good choice under certain circumstances. But I'm really not a I'm not an ex- not an experienced Empire general. The person to ask would probably be Andrew Sher- Sherman. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I I certainly hope their points cost goes down. What what is it now? I'm not certain. I don't, dude. I don't know that much about the. I got to be honest. I don't know that much about the Empire. It just it seems like that always seems like the best choice, and you don't see. Empire is a book with a lot of hidden secrets. It's still an older book. It is, yeah. And compared to the 8th edition stuff where they they expand the number of units in those older books, you know, fewer units but more choices with every unit. Right. Lots of, like, uh, the engineering choices, the magical choices, the you know, lots and lots and lots of stuff gets lost in that book. And you keep getting surprised. What do you mean you have a sword that, like, negates armor saves and hits automatically? And I'll tell you, the one thing I am most curious to see in that book... The one thing I want that I, I have more questions about than any other thing they're going to do. The halberdier. Yes, the halberdier. What's the deal? Um, the detachments. Oh, yeah, no kidding. That's well, what, I want to see how they work that. Part of me is afraid that's that it's going to go away. Fascinating. Eh, it might. Part of me is afraid it's going to go away. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's full of character and it's an interesting idea, but the question is, is it going to slow down the production of the book if they try and develop it too much, in which case it's just going to be gone? Or can they do something with it? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I mean, I just, like I said, I'm... I'm it, it might be relegated to, like, a magic item. Like, you, you take this magic item and you are associated with another unit, and then they can charge together or they can do something together. Yeah. Well, I would sit and speculate all day. I just, like I said, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do. Plus, the Empire book, even for 6th edition books... It was a pretty thick book. Mm-hmm. I mean, compared to the other books that came out around the same time, it was a, it had a lot more fluff. Well, because it had the entire history of the empire. You know, humans all, got a little bit. All loving. biases aside, I mean, everyone has their favorite. Mm-hmm. The world is around the empire. Yeah, the, the entire of the entire game revolves around the empire. Yes, you know, e- e- I don't play them, and it's true. It's they are the center of the universe. In oh, I, I don't, yeah, I don't disagree at all. They're the one that the, the, the 
part of they're that center that everything is spinning around. But, well, but unfortunately for us, uh, in terms of the news and rumors section, there's not a lot more to go on. No. Uh, we, we can talk just for a moment if you don't mind. Sure. There are other products coming out. I know that um, without having without giving away the surprise, uh, Mantic just released information based on their eighth race for their. Um, oh, for their that's right. Their new game. Too. Their new game. So go Pandora. on YouTube if you're interested. Project Pandora. So if you're interested in Mantic, and I, you know, I I think that uh, the bias is obvious. I love Mantic. So. I, I do too. I yeah. really love Mantic. But seriously, I don't just love Mantic as an alternate line because some of their stuff I'll use for Warhammer. Some of their stuff I just won't because I don't like it for Warhammer. I've been. I like Kings of War. I like Kings of War a lot. I have been Warhammer centric, uh, especially recently with Adepticon coming up. But the truth of the matter is, if there was a Kings of War tournament, I'd want to go. I wish there was one at Adepticon. Maybe maybe that's something we should do at some point. Just say let's run one. You can bring with fantasy me. figures. You can as long as it's, you know, clearly obviously something that's within the Kings of War. But so but their eighth race is uh on YouTube from what I was able to gather as at work today. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately I, the YouTube I can't get was out. blocked, yeah. yeah. But uh in Project I can't get Pandora. Out to my phone, though. Uh Twilight Kin are looking really good. Really yeah, dude, good. Those, okay, those those Twilight Kin models are they're sharp. Yes, I like them a lot. I have to admit also that uh, Chris from uh Black Sun yeah. has relit my interest in fielding a Mantic High Elf Army. Yeah. Uh, Cuz they're good models. Yeah, they're yeah. different. I can't, not right now. I mean, th- financially I'm a little more stable than I used to be, so I probably could I can't. I have uh, too I many armies exactly. I need to focus on. I mean, I still have to finish my Chaos Dwarves. We'll get into modeling and gaming and all that, but I still have all those Tomb Kings i got to put together after this. I have way too much to do. I have way too much to do to be buying another army. No, I'm The not. only army that's going to be getting any love from me in the near future that's not these vampires is if Dwarves come out before the end of the year, they're going to have new models. I will be buying the hell out of that. Yep. I can't. Because they're my favorite. Um, What's that, Harrison? What's Harrison your... and the elves. And Harrison's the elves. waiting for a high elf book. He wants a high elf book. That would be pretty cool. I, I actually would be really interested love to, see, to see what they would do with a high elf book. Um, I think the high elves could use a little bit of a tweak. I mean, not a little bit of a tweak. They could use a little bit of a bump. I think that their their builds are getting a little stale. Actually, Ohio touched on this as well. The interesting uh, suggestion, and I, I like it, was well, maybe you limit just like you do with the other the other armies. Maybe you limit their magic, but. You know, like if you have, oh, I'm, you're conv- high- I'm convinced that the next army that comes out, if it has a race-specific lore, that you will have to have. They'll have to take it, absolutely. But of course, Andrew suggested, well, then their lore better kick ass afterwards. So, and I think he's right. So, I, now, I like it's good. the high magic lore. It's good. It, it doesn't kick ass, but, but not every lore kicks ass either. But I mean, if you were gonna, if that's what you were forced to take, it better make the army work. Oh yeah, you know, and I think it will. That's the thing. No, we're not saying it would limit it to High Magic Harrison. We're saying just like all the other four books, you have to have at least one wizard who knows High Magic. Just like the vampires have to have one that knows vampires. You have to have one ogre know the maw, unless you take a fire belly, because he can only know fire. Um, but, yeah, I, I actually like that trend. I think it's interesting. And the lores have actually worked quite well for the armies, I think. I mean, some are stronger than others. Um but I just I I, I kind of like I like the flavor and the, the feel of it for the VC and the TK. Uh, they absolutely need the lores that they have. I mean, you could do more with other lores as well. It's nice, for example, to take lore of light to speed up your TK. But true. But I also know several Hankara. people who have emailed me. Emil being one of them, saying they never take they never took the lore of vampires. They would take 
death, and well, it would run off death instead. But you don't have a choice now. No, and I and I and so I, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's there to limit them. That's to keep them from being overpowered. Is that you must take this? This is the fuel that keeps the army going, yes. and then afterwards you'll supplement well, it. Well, and it makes sense because if this is. Uh, I, I guess you would call it a signature lore as opposed to a signature spell. The dark elves have dark magic. The high elves have high magic. You know, if you have a signature lore and nobody takes it, then what is know? the point? Exactly. And by saying no, you have to. We're going to make it good. We're going to make it. Or, okay, some people would argue. Like I know I've heard a couple of people say, outside of one or two spells, the big war and little war are not that good. But the big oh, war, I don't agree. I don't agree with the big one being not very good. Oh, it's outside of one or two of the spells. I mean, even Chris said he's Hand got the... Hand the foot, man. Well, that's, oh, how many is that? Well, that's two. Well, I, that, okay. <laughs> I rest my case. Outside of the one or the two. But, I mean, some of the other spells are there to make you choose between the lesser of two evils. Oh, like, I agree. You know, Brain Burst, for example, it's like, well, I really don't want you to kill my guy, so I, but I have to let it go because the hand and the foot are coming. I, I agree. But what I'm saying is I've heard... You know, I've heard a lot of people complain that the orcs' magic compared to some of the other magic lords just doesn't pack the punch, uh, um, or doesn't. You know, it's not it's not uh, hard enough. Um, I don't know. I, 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 orcs and goblins are an army that I've come to learn just really get a mixed bag. You either really like what they're doing, or you think they're useless. There doesn't seem to be a middle ground with they, orcs. They get a lot for not very many points. They have a lot on the table. They've got a million little bits of flak that can just devastate what you have. They all hit so much harder than you think. But there has to be a give as well as a, I mean, a take as well as a give. And Animosity, unreliable reliability, yeah, exactly. And, you know, you can't have it all. No army should have it all. But th- that's what I'm kind of looking to see in the empire is to see how they balance it out. Um, I know Andy's all upset. They keep saying that the mortar is going to go to three inch pl- uh, template. Um. That might be fair. <laughs> Honestly, I think I, I don't have a I don't have a problem with that either. I really don't. Um, and it's not just because I, every other template in the game, with the exception, I think it's the Bretonian template bigger. No, no, but it is it is higher strength, though. higher strength, mm-hmm. yeah. but at the cost of not being able to redeploy. Right, and right, its right. leadership is is awful. Right. So I mean, everyone's got to give and take, but every. Every one of these in the game has a three-inch template. If they're aligning things to make them simpler, I can see it going to a three-inch template. I I do have access to a larger template, but it's not especially reliable with the Chaos Dwarves, though. Right. I mean, we're talking about the, you know, the capital T artillery army. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, it, it, holding hands... Is that the Earthshaker? No, that one is actually the... Um, for the large template... Death Shrieker Rocket. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it's um, at that with the template that size. First of all, it requires that you directly hit. But okay. If, so if you miss, the size of the template actually shrinks as it readjusts its trajectory. Oh, that's kind of cool. It's cool. Yeah, the the, the rocket itself is semi guiding. Not 100%. So if you don't roll a bullseye, if you, you don't, don't get the big... T- so the bullseye is like a bonus. The bullseye is a bonus. You if you roll the, the bullseye, template. then you get, well, strength three. But, okay. it's, but it's but still, still, yeah, then you get the big pie plate. Now, if it veers off course and it has to, like, use some of its fuel to guide it back on, then it, it shrinks. It not blow up as much. Then nice. It, right. I, 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 that's kind of cool. <coughs> See, it's the, fun. The fluff gamer in me loves that sort of thing. 
I've just come to realize I really am a hobby gamer. I mean, I love to play and I love to compete and I love to do that. I'm a hobby gamer who who's discovered I love going to tournaments and I guess I don't care that much if I win. I just want to go. But see, I'm, I'm a hobby gamer. See, the thing is, yeah, I, I, I enjoy going to the tournaments. I've just come to realize that I'm not going to be at those top tables and I don't care. You know what I'm saying? The, the first time I went, there was an ego blast. Ego blast, where I realized, oh, I'm really not very good at this. And, uh, you know. Dude, my first tournament, I scored a point in three games, three round tournament. It was a one day, three round. I scored a point, and I scored it against Harrison. Yeah, but your next tournament, you took, what is it? Um, Third place. Yeah. Although I've been looking back at that, and I think, because uh, remember, you, we were talking earlier, you were talking about sort of. You know, you were we, you were trying to come up with topics for the show, which we utterly failed at. So we're just kind of just talking today, we're chit chatting, yeah. Um, and he said, "Well, you know, how would you, how has your build of your army changed in the past eighteen months?" And you asked about the doors, and I realized my build hasn't changed. It's really funny. I went to core comp right after eighth started, mm -hmm. and they said bring a soft list, and I said okay, no shooting of any kind, or no ballistic skill shooting, not because I didn't like it, but because in the fluff. My guy didn't trust anybody who wouldn't go into hand-to-hand -hand combat. I didn't take a cannon because he doesn't trust black powder. So I just had the two grudge throwers. Right. And then I had big block of hammers, uh, the Lord, a block of warriors, two blocks of uh, long beards, and a block of uh, uh, a small block of uh, miners. And I realized that that has become like, and I thought I was that's taking actually, a soft list. And I was like, no, no that's like a really I, good list. Well, the interesting thing is back then, one of the first things that people observed, well, I'm generalizing, but okay. in 8th edition early on, one of the first things that people speculated on was the loss of the monster. Well, with cannons being so accurate, blah, 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 it'll, you know, you'll never want to take them. They'll just get pinpointed off the table. And early on, that's kind of what we saw. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it stopped people from taking the monsters. You still see A-bombs and Hydras and whatnot. Maybe, yeah. maybe not quite as much. The dragon is the big missing uh, link. Anything that's really big. I mean, yeah. tree men you're still seeing. The A-bomb is big, but uh, not... The 300-point really monster tends to not make it as much. The 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 Arachnorok, the dragon, anything that's that's really big that you can see from anywhere. Yeah. Well, with the exception, though, I did see a lot of stone horns. Yeah, but I think that's I think that ex self explains because that thing is partially immune to the effects of one cannon. Right, and ogres are just awesome. Ogres I think, are very good. I, I think I think we've underestimated them a little bit. Uh, actually, I, I, yeah, I don't want to say that I underestimate their potential power. It's just that I don't think that the in the long run, I don't think that they're broken. I think that it's. I'm not they're saying they're broken, but they're tougher than I thought. They're tough. I still don't know how to deal with them. Well, but we'll learn. I sure hope so. I'm tired of getting my ass kicked well, by them. Their leadership sucks, and so does their weapon skill. And these are two things that you can take advantage of. They're yeah. very fast. You have to you have to remember that they're fast, and they cause fear. But if you can circumvent those problems, right? It's just but they get so many attacks, and it's the stomp and the impact hits and the attacks. Cavalry is a good response to them because you have to you want to deny them the charge, and right. you want to deny their stomp. Yeah. So if you can now, stomp, refresh my memory because I actually had to look this up. Stomp only works against infantry, pretty much, right? It doesn't infantry, work against infantry, uh, war beasts, swarm, things like it that. Works against swarm. Does it work against war beasts as well? Yes. Okay. War, war beasts, yes. Monstrous, obviously, no. Okay. So monstrous infantry, cavalry, cavalry is immune to stomp. Okay. Cavalry is in that in-between place where it's a Because the war beasts and the cavalry have the same size base, so I wasn't certain. That's why war, I was asking. War beasts are considered the small size of that. Yeah, okay. like dogs. They can be stomped. But horses and cavalry cannot. 
Right. Uh, yeah, cavalry are sort of in between where they can't be stopped, but they don't do stopping themselves. And then anything on that 40 mil is usually a monstrous something. Yeah, yeah. And they all have stop. But like I said, this leading all trying to lead all this back to the Empire, like I said, I'm... I'm really excited. I'm Me too. really excited. I'm hoping to see a nice big book with a lots of good fluff, maybe some a little bit of new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to see if they continue or move the story. They did move the Vampire Count story along a little bit, uh, adding in the story with um, with Manfred grabbing the Elven Princess and bringing her to these people who are going to sacrifice her to resurrect Nagash. That was not in the old book. No, not at all. Um, I'd like to see. Um, something going on with Carl Franz. It, it's just something interesting. I mean, because right now he's like, you know, the one hope and glory. I don't want to see him die. I don't want to see them look for a new guy, but I'd like to see I don't think something. they're going to kill Carl Franz. Oh, no. I mean, he'll, he's kind of like Batman. He'll just never get any older. What I would like to see, uh, in from 6th to 7th edition, 6th edition, the... Oh, I'm trying to remember the name. Was it Grand Theogenist? No, no, no. What's the name of the High Wizard? Uh, I don't know. Well, the the High Wizard. Uh, Andrew, where are you? I need you. What's the name of the High Wizard from the Empire? But in any case, in the 6th edition, it was a Fire Wizard. In the 7th edition book, they had this wonderful story. Maybe, I, maybe I'm having the editions wrong. Maybe it was the 6th edition where Fire was supplemented, supplanted by Metal. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, Balthazar Gelt. Who, right. Who took over. And I think you're right. I think it is Grand Theogenist. Is it? I don't think so. I think he's something else. I don't remember. I, I don't just know. don't remember. But uh, in any case, I, I would actually be really interested to see what happens. Maybe or life maybe they or get shadow. A new, yeah, that would that would be kind of cool know, to see. That maybe if GW says, "Okay, we really did make uh, shadow or whatever they think life maybe maybe is the most powerful within this army," and they change the the high wizard to be whatever lord they that feel would be is cool. Most, yeah, because well, we know ten years ago the grand wizard of the death school died because we just read Tamarcon. Was she? Yeah, she was, wasn't she? Yeah, she right. was. Yeah, yeah, she was the head of the the death mages, that's right. and she, yeah, she went boom. She died, but she for was good so guys. awesome. She was cool. <laughs> was so cool. I love that. One. Still a beautiful model. Yeah, still a well, fantastic model. Should we? I guess wrap up. What technically this is still news and rumors. Shall we wrap that up and uh, uh, well, we, we can get back to this conversation too and later in the show. Sure. Well, there's okay. There's just a because yeah, we're talking about the rumors about empire. There are one or two little things I wanted to hit. One you brought. One is still don't forget, folks. 757-GH-SHOW-6. You can leave us a voicemail. We get it's news for us still. We've only gotten two. But, man, it's kind of cool when it comes through on my phone because my smartphone can play the message right there to me, and I like it. Nice. Um, and um, before we get to Mantic, I just want to say two quick things is... Um, I just, I still want, I want to give another shout out to Painting Table. God, I listened to th- episode 13 again. I really, that show just goes from strength to strength. Like, it, the first couple episodes, like, of all shows was a little bit weak, mm-hmm. but they're just really kind of coming into their own. And um, they actually, in the last episode, made fun of the fact that you could hear them washing their brushes, which I always... I, I have to confess, I have not been listening to very many podcasts, podcasts in general. and it's no insult to anyone, and it's certainly not an insult to them, but I'm curious. That would actually sound like a strength. So I, the fact that you can hear the fact that they're painting sounds well, really well, appealing. while the show's going on. Like, what are you painting right now? And they're painting while they're talking. That's pretty cool. I really enjoy it. And Greg and Jen, uh, send me an email, because I know they. We, we, well, I've been talking to them over the email back and forth, and uh, um, I haven't talked to them in a couple of weeks. We've all both really been busy. But uh, I think that if the, at the very least in March, I think we should all get together and get uh, get on the Skype together. Sounds great to me. Um, the other thing is that I just want to do one last shout out before I talked about Mantic is for Deep Strike Radio, which I know is a forty k centric podcast. Okay, um, but 
They're the guys that I've been talking to. Um, they've actually recently gone to a family-friendly format on their show. Good for you guys. You know what? It's... I mean, only a few shows can get away with it. Point Hammered is a show that gets away with it because they're funny. Uh, I don't gratuitous swearing is. I don't have I'm a, over it. I don't know. Okay, it's it's funny. I don't care that people swear. In fact, on certain shows, like I'd let Harrison listen to Heel and Hammer, you'll hear a, a, a swear word pop once up in once while. in a while. But I mean, you've got to be clever about it. You can't just go, you "Hey, know. you effers, what the f's up with you f and effers?" It's like really yeah, did, you, was that? You're <laughs> not know, fifteen. Get over some, it. You know, I, I will say this. Johnny and, and Raj and Bear, they somehow make it work. They work in obscenities like other people's work in pastels you know what or it is? oils. Because it's, not, because it's not gratuitous. It's not forced Because either. they're speaking they the just, language that they speak, and that, the fact is the message is clear. They that, know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, one of the things, and I actually asked Brian Steele to listen to it because he is more of a 40K player than than I am and, For sure. and than you are. Well, he and I, we played 40K before I I played 40K before Fantasy. Right. So, yeah. He, and I asked him what he thought, and he really enjoyed the show. They really have an entire section of the show where they dedicate just the, a whole section of every episode to fluff, where they're like, okay, we're going to talk about Craft World this, or we're going to talk about that. They'll pick one of the bajillion legions of armies and factions and sections in the 40K universe and just kind of go over it. This, we're going over this this week. We're going over this group of Space Marines or this, this, and that. And, you know, me being that type of, you know, being the Fluffmeister general, man, it's it's some good stuff. I, if, you, if you're interested in 40K and you like the fluff aspect of it, you could do a lot worse than giving that show a listen to. It's fun. Um, it's not just, it's not one of these win at all costs. I just take in my list, my list, my list. Uh, I, I really enjoyed listening to those guys. I wish them the best. But that Mantic that you brought up, that Project Pandora, dude, I'm looking forward to that. The, um, the It's going to be Kings of War for... Warpath. That's right. Basically. Uh, so it'll, I guess that'll be more like well, Space I think, Hulk. I think what you mean is it's going to be like... Um, it's going to be like Dwarf Kings, King's, King's, right. King's Hold for the Warpath right. system. Um, today, I just noticed they put up on their... their you know They have a whole week of stuff for coming out for Pandora. Mm-hmm. Um, but I clicked on one of their links, and they've got this new thing coming out where you could buy... It's called the... the it's like the, uh, the Warpath Elite... And if you could right. you could sign into this, and it it costs like two hundred dollars American. But they're basically the next three months. This is what's coming out, and we're going to ship you eat you you pay for it up front, and each month they're just going to ship when that is released. So at first you get a couple of guys like some of the commanders and things like that. Then they got a set of this, and then finally at the end, and you're going to be the first people to get the uh, eighth race. Oh, that's models will really be cool. I'm, I'm so, I am so excited for Warpath. I've been building some of those models just when I get kind of bored and I need a little break. Just want to put together something that's a little easy. I want them to fun. hurry up and come out with those insectoids. Yeah, my biggest problem, and I will say this, my only criticism is I've been building the Forge Fathers, the dwarfs, mm-hmm. and it says you know one guy can be equipped with this or one guy can be equipped with that. Okay. Um, it has it for the orcs, and it has it for the forge father. Or the yeah, they're orcs, or aren't they marauders? The, no, I'm sorry. It has it for the marauders, and it has it for the forge fathers. I cannot tell on those sprues where that special weapon is, and it's like they send you enough where one guy should be able to have it, and there is not one unique, separate. I cannot. Th- there isn't one. You don't know which one it is. No, and I just no clue. And I don't actually think there is one. That's my problem with it. Is I went through it all, and there is enough weapons for everybody, and there is not one weapon on that those sprues that is a single, a singular, unique item. 
It sounds like something that Mantic needs to develop a little further. I mean, you get a great value for what you buy, but there are times when it's a little hard to customize. Yeah. And, and I just something that it sounds like they'll need to work on that in the future. I mean, and it was it was just a little frustrating because I didn't want to build it and do it wrong. And I'm used to 40K where if you got a guy's got a melt-a-gun, he's got to have a melt-a-gun on him. And these guys, this guy could take this, this guy could take that. And there was no indication of where that was. I even looked at the pictures, like at the guys they had. And there wasn't one guy who stood out. I just I couldn't figure it out. I was a little frustrating, but it is something we take for granted. I think uh, using GW models is that when they make a sprue based on a model or based on an army, excuse me, it's obvious that the person who sculpted it read the book and knows what all of the options mean and provided for them. Exactly, and that's that's the one thing that I just that's the only criticism I have because the models are really nice and they look cool and I really like them. But um, that's my, my one criticism, my only criticism. But I'm looking so. forward to seeing them when they're all done. Exactly. Me too. Um, all right. Let's, you know what? Quick break in the garage manager. Sounds great. Okay. If a game is only as good as the person who plays it, then the best games can be found at Unique Gifts and Games, collectible and classic card games, board games, RPGs, tabletop miniatures, hobby tools, and more all found within. And so is an amazing community of fellow gamers, as well as dedicated gaming tables, terrain, and a library of open games to try. It's also your source for Unseen Lurker, the independent tabletop wargaming magazine. Stop by for Warhammer Fantasy Mondays, 40K Tuesdays, and War Machine Wednesdays. Demos and tournaments are alive and well at UGG. Check their website at uniqueugg.com for their calendar of events or call 847-548-8270. Don't forget about the rewards program, their convenient location in downtown Grays Lake, Illinois, and their friendly staff. Unique gifts and games. Great gamers mean great gaming. We're back. We are back. And better than ever. And we are back with the Garage Manager section. Brought to you by... Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore. Your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War... Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to, because at Chaos Org Superstore, what you see is what you get. Chaos Org Superstore. All right, Chris, so uh, what you been modeling? I have been modeling. You've been modeling some new underpants. Dear, 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 that's right. That's me. <laughs> oh boy! But seriously, ladies and gentlemen, spoons. I have been modeling a whole bunch of hobgoblins. I think I talked about it a little bit on the last episode. Yeah. A box of plague rats. A whole bunch of goblin heads. Most of the ones from the from the wolves. Have you found any more? Uh, well, I've got twenty built. Okay. So I would need to... I'm, I haven't bought another box yet. I'm going to finish these before I start in another 20. But I'm saying, have you got any more heads? Have you checked Horda bits or any of those things? No, I haven't gone on simply because I haven't bought another box yet of Plague Rats. So uh, I will, I suppose, at some point when it's time to build another 40... Or build another 20. Okay. I figure a, a unit of 40 is probably a good place to start. I'm building a lot yeah. of my Sneaky Gits, which are always my favorite Hobgoblins. Uh, two hand weapons. Have you listened to the latest Point Hammered? Yeah. Hastings talking about your game? 
Oh, the, the, the back then with the he uh, did Indy not, GT. He did not know what those those sneaky come up with forty poisoned attacks. <laughs> like, oh, those things the? are great. I, only ten, twenty five poisoned attacks. They are little butchers. <laughs> no, I think I killed. I kill, I think I killed their points back like in one go with oh, uh, they were, with Bestigors. But of course, I mean the the, the champion point are, for point. They might have been the most valuable models in the Indy GT list. If I wanted to be more competitive, I'd probably field multiple small units of them since they're scouts and just go bloop, 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 and just fill up the backfield. I'm gonna, I'll lose a lot of points, but it's like playing playing against the Orcs. Yeah, it's crazy. But, I mean, that that was then. This is now. Yeah. Thanks to Matt Burdoff and uh, Kevin Coltman for giving me a list to play with for so long. But uh, Tamar Khan is here. Uh, so I've been building Hobgoblins, and what I've been doing is, again, uh, Plague Plague rats, uh, arming them with two head weapons, and putting on goblin heads. And since they already have the cloaks, like the old sneaky gets, it actually looks okay. I mean, I would I, not call it brilliance, but it's good enough for what I need. You know, it's so funny because it's such a simple conversion. Because it is a two plague rats come with cloaks. Two, two cloaks. I mean, basically, you built a plague rat and didn't put the head on. The, the, you just put a different head on. That's the, the whole hardest, conversion, and it worked. Yeah, the hardest part was just cutting off the tails and shaving off skaven symbols and all the little. Oh, I didn't think about all that crap you'd have had to that do. Was, that was the slow part. Was the, the tails were easy, but all of their hands and their feet have little pockmarks. Oh, So bad. there's a lot of filing and uh, shaving off fur and things like that. The feet are... Feet. The feet. <laughs> the feet are actually... They got the feet. <laughs> almost appropriate, because I looked at the old Hobgoblin models. They ran around in bare feet. Uh-huh. They had long claws on their toes, and their feet are... The feet are big they're, and flappy. Their feet? What is with you? I don't know. Um, but you could also, with those, you could totally... Uh, I mean, just as long as you paint them green and make them knobbly... Exactly. They, just well, be, they, they actually look surprisingly similar to the, what the Hobgoblin feet looked like. My first uh, fear was like, okay, so they look like Hobgoblins with rat feet, but they kind of don't. I mean, if you if you spend too long looking at them, eventually you'll say, oh, okay, well, they're plague rats, but they are. They were plague rats. Yeah. But they look... I'm delighted because for some stupid reason, this was always like some giddy little delight of mine with these Hobgoblins. And, and as long as you go with a non-plague rat color, as long as you don't go with green cloaks... Well, their cloaks are... Originally, they were black, and I think with red trim, like red fire trim. And I'll probably do something similar to and that. And if you keep it to that, that right there will throw people off, I think. I mean, I'm not saying you wouldn't notice it if you were looking at it, but... Well, the fact that I'm talking about it on an international podcast will probably give it away as well, but... You know what I mean. Yeah. No, I think they'll look fine. Yes, because everyone in the world who's going to see your goblins are going to be like... Faker! Fake! <laughs> fake! <laughs> we're going to get letters from England. Fake! You are so cheating! But they look good, and I'm having so much fun with it. I have to say, Wapaka has done wonders for my gaming enthusiasm. I I love my new army. I love putting these guys together. I love being able to put down a unit that I've... Even the small things, just little conversion stuff. It's nothing big. I mean, it's nothing like what Wayne Camp does. And I, I don't want to go fully that direction. I, I don't have enough time in my life with all the green stuff. But just doing stuff like this is really fun and I'm enthusiastic to be able to put these guys on the table. Exactly. And I'm also putting together a lot of the... Uh, I'm still working on the Abyssal Dwarves yep. from Mantic. Yep. Um, so I am putting together lots of guys with hand weapons and shields. I think I've mentioned this before. 30 guys. Right. Picked up the Balrog. I haven't even I haven't even gotten Prime on that, but the model's nice. I love that model. It's good. It's a really nice model. I mean, it, it looks cool. I mean, in the movie, it looked cool. The model yeah. looks just like it looks in the movie. It's very, it's very nice. It, it's the this the closest nice. thing. It's very nice. Very nice. It's very nice. What the hell is wrong with us tonight? So, I don't know. Man. Okay. 
But uh, yeah, the up, army's, boy. army's starting to come together. I'm pretty happy. and I have a lot to paint yet, especially from the Forge world. <laughs> uh, yeah. Those are intimidating because they're beautiful, and I don't want to ruin them. No. So I have to. I, I know the color scheme. Uh, I'm not entirely sure on the effect of that sort of mottled oxblood red black that I'm hoping to go for. I have an idea. I'm going to try it and see if it works. But it'll be a little trial and error until I get it right. Mm. Cool. But uh, that, in a nutshell, is what I've been working on. Focus big time on the Chaos Dwarf Army. Right now, the current spotlight's on the Hobgoblins. Uh, designed like sne- the old Sneaky Gits, which means two-hand weapons. Very nice. I've used them, and I guess I'll talk about it a little bit in when we get into gaming. Okay. How about you? Um, I got on a bit of a modeling. I wanted to get a few things ready for... I had a game against John Heil, who's in our campaign. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was bringing his ogres. Now, uh, John was a 40K player for quite a while. Right. And this is only like his fifth game of fantasy. And he's playing ogres, which I think if you're going to start, it's not a bad army to start with because they are pretty darn tough. They're fun. They play well. And, yeah, they're, and, they're yeah. oddly charismatic army. They look good in the table. So, um, you know, I, I wanted to get as much properly built and on the table as possible. So I did build a unit of five hex wraiths, uh, making only one conversion to one of the sickles because I thought I was going to cut off all that excess stuff. The, and the I, flails? The, the chains chained up to the blade of the of the scythe with the skulls and flame. I, I'm not quite certain I get it. I left them on all but one. I really kind of don't think I need all that. I'm seriously thinking about just shaving it all off and having them just using. Right, I think, I think the image of death coming in on a horse riding on a you know with a regular old scythe is. You got it. Yeah. Okay. The extra chains was. I, I realized. Thanks, Judeb. Message received. They're I realized dead. the skeletons each only have one skull, and the horses only have one skull. So adding chains to throw two or three more skulls on it is definitely a GW. Way to go. <laughs> I just don't think I need them at this point. So I may just it, shave it all it's off. It's the same guy who said, you know what? Those Chaos Dwarf hats need to be bigger. <laughs> Wait a minute. Add more skulls. Exactly. So I'm, I may get rid of them. I don't know. But I really like the models. I really do. From what I can see so far, it looks really good. I'm looking forward to seeing paint on them. But uh, the models well, are nice. That's what I'm going to do. And the nice thing is that the, they've got a peg coming up from the spine of the horse. So that you and then there's a little hole in the bottom of the of the model, so you can kind of push it down onto the peg and, and lock it into place. So it's fairly secure. But I also didn't glue it. It's secured on there, but I can pop it back off. So when I paint it, I can paint the horse, paint the guy, and then put him back on properly. I still, like I said, the whole my whole army's theme is green, uh, green with the ethereal looking green or the solid green. Um, so I'm thinking about going with the ethereal on the steeds, like going with that sort of. The same sort of wispy green that you see in the effects from the Lord of the Rings. Right. Okay. Uh, going with a white base and then adding, uh, coming in with some green glazes or some green washes and adding in the layers so that it's a little... The ethereal effect. Yes. Okay. Like I'm gonna have the Army of the Dead that you see in Lord of the Rings. That's right. sort of oh, sea foam, sort of translucent right. green. Okay. Right. Uh, I did build six um, Vargeists, and, you know, this is... This is a. These are models that people have said they either absolutely love or they absolutely hate. It's been a polarizing model for sure. Um, and I know it, it seemed it seemed weird to me when you looked at the pictures because the wings seemed to kind of be all over the place. Some were flipped up, some were flipped down. 
But when you're actually holding the model in your hand and looking at it, it's like the, the wing is just basically attached to the back of their arm. So wherever they have their arm posed, if one is up, you know, then the wing is in that position. Um, it actually seems to work, at least to me. I like the model. I was actually going around looking for alternative models at first, saying I don't know if I like these. When I finally got one put together and built, I said, nah, I'm, I'm done looking for an alternative for this. I like it. I, will, I do have one complaint, and that is they rank up only one way. There are three. They only have three separate poses. The way these guys did this, and this is, I, you know, you, I want to go, every once in a while you want to find someone who sculpts something like this and you just want to be like, slap them. You know how sometimes you can't rank up your models? Sure. Yes. The, the yeah, way, yes, I do. The way these guys go, yeah, Storm Vermin don't rank up at all. The When their wings come towards the back of the model, they fold in, which makes such a narrow gap that the model behind them cannot get up against them without getting stuck in that spot. Now, I did go through them, and I think I found that if you rank them up, you can rank them up one, two, three in a row in a very specific pattern. You have to rank them these three models in these three or in this order, or it won't work. The problem becomes if you want to rank them three wide, you literally would have to have all three of the same model in the front and then three other models in the middle and then three other models in the back to make it work. It's 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 frustrating. So Well, most of the time they'll be skirmishing, right? Well, flyers are skirmishers, but right. they have to rank up when they get into in combat, combat, and they're not yeah. going to without clacking them together. I mean, if you have more than a second rank of them, this can be kind of a nightmare. In fact, I'll tell you what, honestly, the way I had them able to get ranked up, if I were to take like six of them, two ranks of three or something like that, I would have the exact same three in the front, the exact same three in the back, and put the other three off to the side because otherwise they're going to be smacking against each other. So as much as I like how they look, because I do think they look really cool, um, you know, kind of like Strigoys but with Vargolf wings and faces. That's what they look like, basically. Well, what about using – they make uh, flying bases for, like, airplane games with magnets, and you could sort of – Oh, I have them. I've got some from Back to Basics. I have them that I'm working on my uh, black coach with. Hmm. I could do that. I could well maybe take one off of that. You know, take the glue because they're only glued by the by the feet. Maybe I can glue, unglue a foot and stick a plastic base up its backside and have one flying. That way, you don't have to worry about ranking them as much. But then, if he's higher, that messes up with the true line of sight. People can take a shot at it easier. They're pretty big. <laughs> Did you see that picture Curry tweeted? He was at the tournament. Someone took a a freaking zombie dragon. No. It was like this base, and I think it was regular. I don't know. If, I don't think it was a regular size zombie dragon base, although I would assume they would have to use it. But it was <laughs> why, why would you use anything bigger? Well, it looked smaller. It was the neck and head coming out of the ground with the guy riding it on the neck. Yeah, no. <laughs> You, he tweeted this picture. Yeah, was, like, I'm sorry, man, but part of the ad- disadvantage is the size of its base because I have template-based weapons and I get to have the whole thing as a target. Oh, I know. I looked at that and said, uh, it's a clever idea. The zombie's dragon itself was pulling itself out of the ground. But it was like from the shoulders up was the, all of the model. I'm like, that's got to be a joke. Yeah, that's got to be a joke. But no thanks. I, I mean, and I, it could have been a joke that I just totally didn't, you know, I didn't quite get because 
So yeah, so I built the uh, so the Vargas, so the Vargas, and the Vargas, and forty more zombies. So now I have eighty, and uh, I'll be getting sixty more. And I think I have about thirty. One of the things I found from the Mantic is I actually ordered from directly from Mantic. They sell just their little twenty millimeter square vases, mm-hmm. and you get three zombie sets of, uh, of legs and three zombie bodies. And then you get this like little hole in the ground, so you can have a zombie coming out of the ground. Yeah. But then you've only got three sets of bodies, but they also sell, uh, or not on, it's on the sprue. It's basically the guts and the bottom half of a spine. So if you wanted to be clever, you could just stick a spine on the legs and have just a pair of walking legs. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have the extra bases, you could put the three sets of legs and the ground as four in your model set of 30. If you're really trying to be frugal. Stick one body coming out of the ground, two bodies in the legs, and the third one on each sprue be a spine. Just just as long as occasionally you have a full humanoid once in a while. If you're willing, to, but I'm saying that it all it all works. It's all. I mean, you've got. I mean, that's what they design. They've got the one coming out of the ground, so you got the top half. You got the legs. It's not like they're going to ruin line of sight. They'll be just spattered out throughout the the unit. Um, but you could turn a box of thirty into a box of forty, which I did with both boxes. <laughs> Oh, nice. Uh, it, it, you know, Mantic, if you order directly from Mantic, you can't get it from, like, this is one of those direct from the manufacturer things, but it was 100 bases for 12 bucks. Nice. So I got that, you know, like, well, I got, and it was literally when, when money was that darn tight a few months ago when I was buying up the Mantic zombies, if I could figure out a way to get, turn 30 zombies into 40 zombies. Sure. Um, the funniest thing is I had only 40 built because I didn't need any more. Because you weren't buying them, you were only summoning them. Yeah, and now a unit of thirty with that a musician and a then. banner is a hundred points. Now. Yep. It's like I, I now have eighty, and I have half of what I think I need to run my army, and and still have enough left so that if I summon them past the starting point, I'll have them. And even then, I'm looking at think, well, that might not be enough. <laughs> I'm like, oh, damn it, I'm going to be painting zombies. Play a couple of games. I mean, it sounds like with the 60 you've got coming, I should hope that you're starting to get close to enough. I ran out uh, with my 80 in my last game. Maybe you should order 1,000. <laughs> I don't want to be stupid. Dear Mantic, I need 1,000 zombies, please. XXOO Dave Voitek. No, but I'm saying I I have 80 and Dear I ran David, out. Hi, this is Ronnie. I was sticking, we love you. I was sticking ghouls on the back of the unit because I ran out of zombies. Madness. Madness. Uh, I'll just keep that up all night and be irritating. I think Jack Holery is ensuing here. Jack Holery. <laughs> all right, I'm done. <laughs> I'm not host. done. I'm not done. Ooh. But I mean, I'll stop that for the moment. <laughs> There's no promises later. <laughs> Cold medicine kicking in. I hate you. Why don't we move on to reading? All right, go ahead. Um, I'm, dude. Dude. Honestly, I've been, I've been trying to paint, and I've been doing so much work around the house with the remodeling we've been doing. You know what this means? Pe- people will judge you. I've only read like 30 Ladies more pages of the last book. David hasn't done everything this week. It's time for you to just hate his guts. I've only <laughs> just, read. Just hate him. I only hate, read like 30 let, pages let the of the book. Will, just tweet how much you're I angry at him for not reading. <laughs> I can't believe how you've let everything down. People keep writing books, and I haven't read them all. You're going to cause the sun to explode. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Thanks for the sun explosion. Oh, great. I'm getting blamed for that now? Rats. I blame you for rats. You blame me for rats? I didn't write that Skaven book. That's not my fault. I blame you. I blame Relian for rats. 
I blame... Uh, yeah, I'll blame Real Aurelian. That sounds okay, good. That works. He wants to play me at Adepticon, and I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll get my ass kicked, sure. Yeah, and for the record, I did not blow him off at Adepticon. I don't know anything about it, man. That's between you and he. So, I'm just saying. So, why did you blow him off? (laughs) While you were blowing up the sun and blowing off him and causing all that cancer. So, it's all right. So, you didn't read that much this week, but that's because you were doing a million other things. Yeah, uh, working and stuff. So, Well, I haven't done much in the way of reading. Uh, In fact, uh, what have I been doing? (laughs) Next section, we haven't been reading. Well, army books. You know know what I did? Uh, Rather than read this week, because other than... You know, going through all these books. Literacy is for losers. Yeah, fooey. You know what I've noticed about myself, and this, I guess, rather than reading, I'll, that you're I'll tall. You, I am pretty tall. But um, have you noticed that, like, you? I listen to less music thanks to the introduction of podcasts. I never get to listen to music anymore. Well, recently, Not get to, but I've got podcasts I've been listening. Yeah, to. it's like, well, well, I don't listen to music anymore. I, mean, I do sometimes at work, but I'm sort of stuck in the same stuff. I listen to just about everything except maybe pop country, which I'm not fond of. But recently on YouTube, a friend of mine has, like, favorited videos, and I just saw something odd, clicked on it, and it turns out it's this, um, it's called Die Antwort, and it's, I didn't know what that meant, and I didn't know what language it was. turns out it's uh, Africans, they're South Africans. Okay. For, it means the answer. And the best way to describe it is, first of all, it's not kid-friendly at all. Okay. The video was so ugly it was like a choreographed train wreck. Ooh. I couldn't turn away. <laughs> I, I decided that it was sort of techno and definitely rap, pretty vulgar, and I loved it. I loved it. Like, okay. Wow, that was great. I want more. So the, a D-I-E space A-N-T-W-O-O-R-D. Uh, check it out. Uh, the video I saw was, it's called I Think You Freaky. As in, I think you're freaky. I think you freaky. Uh, yeah, I, I get it. Followed by, and I like you a lot. That's uh, part of the. That's one of the lyrics. I think you freaky, and I like you a lot. And then it goes into this techno. And then there's this guy who goes by Ninja, who is just powerfully ugly. So amazingly powerfully ugly that I love him. And uh, he is an amazing lyricist. Like, one of the things I like about rap music is, you know, the message sometimes, sometimes not so much. But it's the eloquence of their lyricism. And uh, it, it was he's so amazing. He's so good, and he's flowing between three different languages, one of which is, I think it's called Afrikaans. Afrikaans, yeah. Yeah. And then another South African language, and they sort of focus on this. I, I, I was so fascinated by these guys, I looked them up and read about them. And apparently, like, one of their angles is this concept of Z-E-F, Zef, which is, like, poor chic, like this South African concept of, like, this urban concept of poor chic. Okay. Like, you know, showing off your bling even though you're, like, butt ugly poor. Okay. I don't know. I don't. It was, like, so interesting to me. I just, uh, I recommend it, but don't let the kids see. It's not for kids. Okay. So rather than read, I discovered a new band that I was riveted with. So that, that's my reading this week. The last bit of music that I've listened to was Strong Bad Sings and Other Type Hits. <laughs> Harrison was in the car, and he had his iPod with him. I said, what are you listening to? And he was listening to Night Mamas by Limousine. Or no, wait. Oh, no, he's listening to Because It's Midnight by Limousine off of the Strong Bad Sings and other type hits. And so I have yet to go back on that site. It's been months. I haven't been on it in a while, but I just I still love it. And uh, it's always been a dream that if we ever make it big in the garage hammer scene, I want to yep. hire those guys to completely redo our website. That would be cool. <laughs> that would be cool. Episodes. 
Girls have a store. <laughs> Somebody get this freaking duck away from oh, me. I love those guys. <laughs> how do you time with those boxing gloves on? So how about... Uh, King of town. How did you know we started a pizza place? This is a pizza place? I just usually pick up the phone around this time every day and call random numbers, hoping someone will send me pizza. That's just the dumbest... <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. No, no, <laughs> strong bad. Uh, so, all right. Um, so, gaming? gaming. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Or I'm going to jump in. Uh, go ahead. All right. Well, uh, gaming. Well, if, as far as my gaming goes, it kind of covers several different platforms. Not just obviously Warhammer Fantasy, but we've also been doing the Blood Bowl League. Oh so yeah. So I, I did play my second game. Uh, I How did you do? I did well, two and zero. Or I, t- I should say two to zero, and I beat Joe. Joe, Did who, you? Joe, who is an excellent Blood Bowl player, and he's he really good. good with his dwarves. So I would argue that part of it is I am good at the game. Part of it is I think I got a little lucky at points. Uh, you know, any dice game is fickle. But it was an elf versus dwarf classic match. And what ended up happening was once I got ball control, I was able to play a little keep away. And I was able to spread out my defense and eventually get some scores. But he didn't make it easy. I mean, he just beat the... Out of my guys. So uh-huh. I got away with um, only one injury that will carry over. And luckily it's nothing permanent, permanent. He's just mm-hmm. out for the next match. Okay. So I dodged a bullet. and that, Does badly hurt mean you're out for the next match? That just means no. you're out for that match. It means it, you're out for the rest of the match. Okay. But you'll be fine for the next. I have one where I will miss the next game. Okay. So I am. I'm, I would be down one player. Is that what's called seriously injured? Uh, it's, there's, no, there, there's no actual... Penalty to stats or anything like that, or something like that. But you're yeah. out for the next game because you you'll be in the hospital, right? But okay. you'll be when you come back. There you're, are no permanent repercussions, right? Right. So okay, I'm gotcha. sa- I'm safely out for the next match. I played Caleb last night. How'd you do? Now he's playing uh, lizard men. Oh, I got pounded on by lizards. Well, okay, he got the well, one. I, mean, I guess uh, he got Caleb quick, is a good player, and lizards are tough. He got but, the quick score in the beginning, and once again, I spent the first five turns of the game. Pushing people. Yeah. Well, you have no, you have literally no skills outside of horns. Well, you've won pass now. Yeah. I had one guy who had pass. That was it. Um, when I, I was, say no skills, that doesn't mean you don't know how to play. That means your, no, your yeah. team literally has doesn't have no any of the special skill skills. Yeah. Um, I did have a mercenary, which is, I thought we, they were called travelers, but it's listed as a mercenary because only had 10 guys. So he has loner for the time being. He does have loner. Him. Okay. Yeah. Um, so did he. Now, by Joe, I mean. One of the weird things was. And I don't know if this is because of the way it's set up or if we could do anything about this, but at the end of the game, I only earned 20000 which brought me up to 60000 which is what I need to buy a Beastman. Right. It asked me, do you want to buy him? I said, yes. I said, you don't have enough money because the game hadn't been confirmed by Joe because he's running the league. He's the commissioner. So he has to approve the game, and once that's done, the money will be there. So you should be able to go online tonight. I went online, but here's the thing. Do you want to buy him? Yes or no? If you say no, he goes away. I couldn't. I said yes. It says you don't have the money, and you couldn't leave the screen. It's not like I could check later, unless I did something horribly wrong. It was like the game's over. Are you going to buy him? You got to buy him right now, yes or no. And since I didn't have the money from that, now if I'd have had the money, I could have bought him. But I didn't have the money from that game. Did he have any player points? Uh, I had two. Ugh. Okay. Yeah, so it kind of sucked. But now I got enough money where I w- I'm not going to buy one. I'm going to take another mercenary, I think. I'm thinking, I'm trying to decide if it's worth it to buy to just take a mercenary and then see if he gets player points before I buy him and, like, save my money in case I need it for something else. But then he has that loner on him for that one game. There is the loner. 
So I just I'd say bite, bite the bullet and get him. The sooner you can get him, the sooner you can get some star player points on him. We played it. Wound up being uh, two to one. I totally interrupted your game. Did you finish? I'll just go ahead and finish talking about your game, and then I'll finish up mine. I'm sorry. Well, it's high elves. I mean, so for me, uh, there really is no bash strategy. If you're if you for those out of there, I know we're not talking for the moment about uh, Warhammer Fantasy. If you've ever played Blood Bowl, I, I couldn't recommend it enough. It's it is so much one fun. Of the, it is one of the greats of the Games Workshop world. But uh, playing high elves, and they are there's just not much bash. You know, no. no. I can take blitzers, but I didn't. I don't think that they're a good starting choice. I ended up going with lots of catchers and one passer. Right. Um, so I'm playing basically a run and avoid game. So I dodge out of everything. I just spread my guys out. One of the things he did. One of the things I did was um, I decided. You know, I moved my entire team toward the end of the first turn. I went for it. Anything but a one, and I rolled the one. And I'm like, you know what? It's the last guy this turn. I'm just going to let him fall. I don't want to waste my reroll, and that's some stupid little thing. Right. So I let him fall. <laughs> breaks his own little neck. <laughs> it, costs oh. it breaks his leg or whatever it is. Costs him a point of movement. I'm like, <gasps> okay, that's not acceptable. I got to reroll that. Okay. So I, the apothecary comes. Apothecary comes out, and I reroll. So now he's missing the next game. Like, oh, uh, so that's okay. And that's so that was turn one, and that's all from not using the reroll. Uh, so I felt stupid, and then Joe. You know, kind of starts the chainsaw, and then the next thing I know, I've got another guy who's out for the entire game, and my apothecary's already gone. Yep. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be a bad game. And You know, he starts knocking guys out um, to accelerate the point I'm trying to make. By the end of the half, I had two guys in the injured box and three guys knocked out. Dang. So there's only six guys left on the pitch. But with only six guys left on the pitch, I took advantage. Uh, he did two things wrong. Well, wrong. He suffered two problems. One... The um, what is he called? The the Slayer um, tripped over his own beard when trying to bash me. Okay, and um, I got the I got the casualty for him knocking himself into the injury box. That happened twice to Caleb. Oh, hitting his Saurus would hit my Chaos Warrior, and they would get the both down, and he would be injured. Saurus and Chaos Warrior are very similar. Yeah. High armor, high strength, but nothing to show for it up front. You've got to like you've got a right. blank slate for skills. So, right. uh, the other thing was he actually decided to start fouling <laughs> once. Immediately got kicked out of the game. Really? Yeah. Immediately. So at that point, he didn't foul again the rest of the game, and I can't say I blame him because it right. was starting to get thin. Right. The moment you lose a certain amount of players, you start having holes in the lineup. Oh, exactly. And I was able to just go, okay, fine. And, you know, my, my L's were across the field. And once that happens, you can't cover everything anymore. Exactly. Um, and he, toward the end of the half, I had kicked off to him. He dropped the ball, and that was the only thing that I needed. Got the ball, retrieved it, oh, protected yeah. it, and then the next turn I scored. Well, yeah, I think on turn, my turn seven I scored. His turn eight, he can't do anything. He bashed my front line. And I said, okay, good. That's the end of the half. <laughs> so you want to, what was it, three to one? Two to, two to nothing. Or two to nothing. Two to okay, nothing. Uh, the, he kicked off me the second half. He what he what The smartest thing he could possibly do is force me to sc- score early. He started applying heavy pressure. And I'm like, okay, this next turn, I either score or he destroys my whole team. Yeah. Because uh, yep, yep. the goal with high elves is just get, get everyone out of the way. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't have don't anyone. Don't let them get hit. So... I, in order for me to get to be in a position to score, I needed, well, I just needed to have guys in the way. And it meant not necessarily dodging out of the way because dwarves can't dodge easily. Right. Or just get them in a position where they can't be, where they can't get to your receiver. And it meant that all my guys were exposed. 
So okay. I, I was forced to score, and I gave him six point uh, six turns. Excuse me, six turns to um, to get two touchdowns. But that was that's not enough, not for a dwarf team. No, um, he should have been able to score on turn eight to at least make it two to one. But he had to go. I, you know, I, I you play to win, so I put guys in the way. I was actually hoping he would score at least once toward the end. I'm like, okay, go blitzer, go. But you still put pieces in the way. You play to win, right. so I did. And it made it not easy for him. He, on the last turn, had to go for it twice with the blitzer and blitz. He was able to blitz successfully. My guy landed, you know, and I think he was uh, stunned. Go for it once, go for it twice, trip, down, end of game. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I mean, he should have. it should have been a 2-1, to one, but it was a 2-0. to zero. Okay. So, <laughs> all right, so, yeah, uh, I was playing against him. Um, this is against Caleb McCoy. Playing against Caleb. Mm-hmm. It wound up being 2-1. to one. Now... He was he scored on like turn three. I, I I chose to kick off. I like to get the ball in the second half. Chaos is a scary team to play against, but Lizardmen are a hard counter or in the early uh, season. Yeah, he had uh, the the one the big what what is it the Croxigor. He had one Crox, three or four Saurus, and then all the rest were skips. actually. I think on his team he's got all six, doesn't he? I. Don't uh, he's got a lot. Yeah. Uh, he might have all six. It's scary because he has more potentially more strength four on the on the table than you do. Yeah, and then he's got guys with stunty and dodge. Right. I mean, I was having to I was having to mark a lot of guys and really sit there and play the play the you know pointed at the different guys and okay, this guy got a better block on push, get him out. Okay, now he's not touching people, which makes this role better. I really had to play the numbers and and game and pushing and pulling guys out of the way. Um. I'm, I'm just push, push, push. I'm like, come on. Um, he scores. I get the ball. Um, I finally got to the point in the game where I just said, forget it. And I put, like, I had eight, I had seven guys on the line of scrimmage. <laughs> okay. I might have had eight. I think I had four guys right in the center. And then my two guys on the outside track, I put them right on the line. Because, and Caleb, I don't know what the heck Caleb was thinking because he was putting, like, his guys kind of on the line, too. Like his skinks and stuff, I'm like, well, I'm like, he's trying to, you know, just get him up faster to get him past me. But I got the ball and I was like, down, plam, down, plam, down, plam. Um, he did what I had done. He actually, I had done it as a mistake on my turn. About turn four, I hit one of his guys, and uh, they were going to be out for the game. Not not hurt, but out for the game. He chose to apothecary them. Okay, and so they were just unconscious. Um, and I was like, I, I've come to the conclusion that when we're playing in a, in a league setting like this, unless he's dead or taking a stat break that I cannot afford, I'm not burning my apothecary. Exactly. No. Um, it, it, he burned him for a, he's just out of the game. It was one of his, it was his source would have been. Was it toward the end of the game? No, it was on turn like four. Yeah, it's, that's ambitious. And uh, maybe, so, maybe he felt as though that player was crucial to his plans. I guess. Um, finally, I started moving around, hitting people, knocking them down. Um Twice, he badly hurt two of his own guys by double sculling against oh, me, which yeah. gives me star player points. Um, I that's, pushed. That's what happened to Joe as well. Pushed a couple of skinks off the pitch, um, knocked a lot of skinks out. Uh, second half, killed a Soros dead. Ooh, and, that's, that's an expensive loss. And he had no apoth because he had burned it for that. And I was just like, oh, man, tough break on that. I was kind of giggling a little bit. And, uh, you know, not to be mean, but I was just like, we were, you know, we were talking smack back and forth a little bit. Oh, you, you both on Skype or something? Yeah, we got on Skype and I actually had the headphones on, but I was listening through it through the computer speakers mm-hmm. because Harrison could hear it then. He was watching the game. And actually my, 
that little microphone on my headphones like picks up really well because Harrison was sitting like two feet away from me. And, and I need to get something like that one of these days. I got I talked to I talked to I just went to get them at Best Buy. They just got it's got a plug for each, just right in the front of the computer, the headphones and the microphone. You just talk into it. Harrison was two feet away. My mic was picking him up too, so Caleb could talk to both of us. It was a nice game. That's neat. I wanted I want to get that because um, yeah, Joe asked me if I could. If I had it, and I said, no, I have nothing of the sort on my computer. Right. Now, if you have speakers on your computer, like if you have actual speakers, you can go download Skype, though, and plug in your rock band. Well, I don't have that. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm the one who has rock you band. You have rock band. Oh, well, you could borrow the microphone if you want. You just, I, the only time I ever use it is when we have like a party and people want to play. As long as you bring it back on my birthday, you could use it. Well, maybe I'll just invest in the headset, though. That yeah, would be I mean, easier. Because like, that way i got to like hold the mic as I'm playing. Yeah, they're less than 30 bucks for a nice headphones. I'll show them to you when we get upstairs. Okay. Um, here's where I lost the game, though, because it was 2-1 to one for a while. Like the second half, he had two. I scored once, I think, at the end of the half. Whole second half went out without a score. He kicked it to me. I had the ball. I went to throw it. I dropped it. Yeah. So then my guys got around it. Six turns. Six turns. Turns nine through 15. I would go to pick up the ball and fail. Mm -hmm. Six turns in a row, I could not pick up the ball. Finally, on turn 16, I had a chaos warrior who could double go for it into the end zone. And I had my guy with pass get the ball. And he picked it up. And I went to throw it and said, you need a four, you rolled a one. Would you like to re-roll it? And I said, yes. Click, re-roll it, dropped it. End of Fumble. game. Okay. I could have tied it. So I am 0-2 in our league, although I got a death. I think I had like uh, five... I, I, well, two knockouts, five casualties, and a death. I don't know how long the league is going to go for, but my guess is that I think it's I'm games. having a blast. I'm hoping other people are too. Uh -huh. If this continues to go on for more than one season, just consider your chaos team an investment for season two. Oh, that's two. what I already said. I'm, Joe's talking about doing a second season, and if he is, I'm, Count me in. I'm, I'm not only in, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely taking my I, chaos. I love it, yeah. Although I, I, I started practicing with other teams just for fun. Actually, we got off with Caleb. I'm so tired tonight. One of the reasons because when I got done playing with Caleb, mm -hmm. I jumped on the regular game with my exact same chaos team that I had built in the regular game. Yeah. And I only had like one or two games of them. Yeah, I played two more games. I've been experimenting with other teams. Um, on the tabletop, I used to play with – I did play High Elves once, but um, I liked them. They were a lot of fun. But I also have played with Chaos Dwarves, of course. You can't do that on Cyanide. Breaks my heart. It's the only team they don't have. Yeah, no, it seems odd, but it's it's okay. It's all right. I mean, there's still so many, so many teams. Yeah, uh, I used there's to play with two, I think. Mm -hmm. Played with Undead. Played with uh, Halflings of all teams, which I loved. I don't have the huevos to play a, a Halfling team in a, in a league like this yet. <laughs> Let me get a little better at the game again. That's not only that. It's just they're. It's a frustration team because you're going to win half your games, and that's a great success. But it doesn't. Yeah, I mean they are in like the lowest tier of those of the of the tier yeah. teams, and it's just if I'm going to play that, I'm going to play it just against the computer. For I know fun. how to play them. Yeah. I know how to play them well. I can I can actually be uh, competitive and and challenge you, but it really is they're 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 the, it's against the odds. Yeah. Speaking of Caleb, though, um, I did play him in in actual Warhammer Fantasy. Yeah, you played him here. I was. I, I missed most of the game because I was editing the show, but Harrison was watching. But this was for our, t our campaign that you're running. Yes. Now, this is round two. Uh, the first one I was against uh, Grant Fetter. Right. This was like the day out that we left for Wapaka, so he and I were sort of distracted from our game. 
I did not build what I would call a strategically sound list against Grant. Okay. I just wanted to bring the toys. Wah, 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 pout, pout, pout. I want to bring the toys. Wah. So I did. I built a list with toys, which is a stupid thing to do <laughs> against a guy who doesn't play soft. No. Grant is, Grant plays, he'll play for fun, but he never, there's no easy button on Grant. Right. When you play against him, you're playing for out. So he's tough. And, uh-huh. uh,. So and the and the thing is, he probably metagamed and thought, okay, if he does bring the toys, how do I defeat them? And oh, he came you up with think, and he and he figured it out immediately. Um, he was able to with Skaven just lock a whole bunch of slaves into place with my big griblies, and uh, come up. And it turns out that even the guys that are hard to wound, you know, poison attacks, gets right around it. And then a couple of uh, strength eight warp lining cannons take care of the rest. Yep. Homeboy could not roll less than an eight. So I took that lesson to heart because I knew I was going to be going up against Caleb's dwarves, and that's the that's the other army with lots of magical artillery. And right. I said, okay, okay, you know what? Toys are going to have to get put away. I can't take these guys. So I built um, what I thought was a you know, halfway decent artillery army. For one thing, this is one of the first armies where I've taken a large block of hobgoblins in a long time. I usually don't. I, right. I like the chaos dwarves enough where I'll take blocks of chaos dwarves. But in this one, I said... Let's just go ahead and take two large horde-style blocks, one of the regular warriors with strength four, the, the hand weapon and shield, just uh-huh. resilience, and then one with lots of two-hand weapon hobgoblins. You know, that way I can get the steadfast. And with the general right there, leadership 10, they're not going to go anywhere for a while. Right. And then uh, the Iron Demon, the uh, Dreadquake Mortar, the um, Magma Cannon. What else did I take? Two units of uh, Wolf Riders. And I feel like I'm forgetting something. What is it? What else did I take? The <laughs> cheat button. Took the cheat button. Well, okay. it's only a 2,100 point. I had a couple of advantages. One, I knew my army better than he knew my army. Oh, yeah. That you know, helps. That helps. Yep. yep. I had a 100 point advantage because it's a campaign. Oh, right. You had more cash coming in. I had more cash coming in this turn. So I had a 100 point list advantage. So I had a strategic advantage. And three, I took, we all can choose strategic advantages. Um, each player gets one. He chose something called all or nothing, which, which is, means if you have to win the game to get any points. He'll he'll have a he'll have a strategy map advantage later if he wins this game. Now that's the advantage he took. And that's it's it's fun to take, but it's all or nothing. I took something that helps me in the game called headhunter, which means if I kill a character, I get one hundred plus uh, victory points. So what I decided to do is I took the lore of death. Because, well, yeah, I mean, it's Headhunter. If I'm going to be killing characters, Lore of Death is the way to go. And then for my Demon Smith, I took Lore of Fire, just for the occasional <whistles> fireball, you know. Yep. So no Lore of Hashut, although I do recommend it. And um, the moment I stepped up to the table and I saw he had two cannons, a grudge thrower and an organ gun, my, and two units of quarrelers. And I said, oh, man, I am out artilleried. Okay, so... My game became became charge. Just let's get in there quickly. Turns out, um, he did not. He well, my my wolves were able to like within turn two get into his cannons, shutting down both cannons. Uh, I was able to use the lure of fire, I believe it was, and they actually managed to take two out of the three wounds from the organ gun. So the quarrelers are good, but against my cast wars, which are super resilient, I was able to kind of withstand most of that. Uh, the grudge thrower was otherwise the biggest threat. 
And here's what I found out. Now, the, the Iron Demon has a, it's called the Twin Cannonade on it, right? Basically, you roll two artillery dice, and you choose the better result. Right. Range is 18 inches. And according to the book, it says, you know, it may move and suffer no, move, suffer no penalty while doing so with its cannons. The, the wording is odd. But what it sounds like, the best interpretation I can get is, I'm not suffering movement penalties. Uh, it's possible there's... Move and not su- it says move and not suffer penalties. They, what we think they meant is move and not suffer penalties because of moving. Because but of they movement. said not suffer penalties. There's, there's actually an argument that says it suffers no penalties whatsoever when shooting, but I don't think that's what they intended. And again, I'm not going to play that way until they clarify it. Right. But I will take my no movement penalty. And I would say, honestly, and if someone's playing this way, I don't want to offend them, but... Since when does moving allow you to take absolutely no penalties whatsoever? I mean, that doesn't... Well, it, well it's within... This is this is a, a minor criticism of the Tamarcon book, and that is their language choice is really... It's the same criticism of all their books. Yeah, well, I, you their know... Their language I, choice leaves questions. It does. Yes. It, and unfortunately, it opens the door for additional questions rather than clarify. They, you know, they should hire someone clever like us, wordsmiths. Uh, yeah, but clearly not someone like Cranky who has no experience arguing. Oh, that's right. That just happened. Yeah. So, hi, hi, Cranky. How are you? Don't start because I accidentally made the mistake of saying who you brought over to play games with. Oh, last he, week. he already got me back. I for it. saw that. Yeah, I, I was laughing. I my was, head I was off very on impressed. The, and I uh, and on I, Twitter. Oh, I, Tanya, huh? No, no. <laughs> tell her I said hi. Oh no, he gets a point for it. <laughs> I was laughing so hard, Harris was like, what are you doing? I read it to him. He's like, oh, boy. Hope Uncle Chris isn't mad at you for saying her name. I'm like, nope. No, it's fine. In fact, Cranky, I told her that you said hi. So, in any case, so for the particular game, um, the cannonade, I was talking about the Iron Demon. Right. You roll two artillery dice. You choose the higher of the two results when you fire. And right. right now, the way the rules are read, I'm taking that to mean I suffer no movement penalty. So that's fine. So that usually means I hit on fives. Okay. Now, the thing is, it hits at strength six, and each successful wound is D3 wounds. Ooh. So it it dawned on me, this is really good to use against... I, originally, I thought, okay, the Skullcracker is the better choice for 30 more points, because then it's like it just grinds into people in close combat. But... If you think you're going to be going up against war machines, it's really not a bad idea. I mean, just shoot the war machine with this thing, and one successful volley will probably kill it. And that's exactly what happened. As soon as I got close enough, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a shot to get that uh, that uh, grudge thrower. And, uh, you know, I rolled. The the average was eight, and that's usually what I got. It was, okay, there's eight shots, eight shots, brum, two hits, you know, one wound, boom, you're dead. Or in, one, in the one case where I did this, uh, two successful wounds. And uh, four total wounds against it, and take it off the table. Jeez. So, and uh, Hobgoblins really do a pretty good number, too. The other issue he had was that he had a unit of miners that didn't want to come on the table. Right. Uh, His army was uh, two quarrelers, all this artillery, miners that never wanted to show up, and he took the the, the anvil. Oh. I have a... um, The last turn of the game... I had a, uh, you know, my lo- my lord, my sorcerer prophet. There is an, it's a bit of equipment. It's not a magic item. Right. It's like taking a pistol for demon smiths and my lord. It's called the blood of Hashut. Basically, for 20 points, it's a one use only. It's a little bit like carrying a vial of metal magic. It's the best way to describe it. Meaning that you wound them on their armor save. Correct. Correct. For 20 points, you get one shot. You forego your regular attacks. So I saddled up to this anvil. And uh, 
the rules say you just you need a two to hit. Forego the rest of your attacks, attack at your initiative, which is low, and then you need a two to hit. So I rolled, and I, I hit. And you roll for number of wounds, d6. I rolled a six. And then, okay, so how many... What's your armor save? It's a two plus. So I roll, and, you know, I rolled a lot of twos or higher. And uh, his ward save wasn't enough. Killed the thing. One go. 20 point, <laughs> one point, not even magic item. And it killed the Anvil of Doom. Just take it right off the table. It was a bit one-sided. I had The only issue I had early on was that I looked at the table and realized I was outgunned. So I just charged. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm going to push. Shove. You know, I got to be the Chaos Warrior for once and just shove it across the table. Cool. So, And Hobgoblins were surprisingly good. Um, they did a lot of damage. Just so many attacks. When I've got a unit that large, because he had a horde uh, of um, Corallers. Uh, right. And they had two-hand weapons. Or I should say not two-handed weapons. They, they had great weapons. Right. Um, so I was going first, and I was stripping off a lot of guys. Well, because they have no armor save. Right. See, and I don't want to insult Caleb, and I know he listens, and I know he always says, well, what could I have done better? Because he really does want to learn and, well, and get better at the I game. I would not use the anvil with this army. Well, no. I didn't, at 2,000 points, I wouldn't use the anvil, what first did, of all. It's it a quarter though, of his army, it and it sh- can't go anywhere. It mostly shut down my magic. True. Uh, I was not able to get... I mean, I was trying Purple Suns left and right, and uh, only one made it to the table, and it dispelled it immediately after casting because it only went like six inches forward. True. But not. You know what? I'm going to let that go immediately rather than have it come back to me. But, uh, you know, uh, uh, you could get a runesmith and a couple of magic runes and do the exact same thing and have some more mobility in your army. Uh, you know, the anvils, the, the main purpose of the anvil is to... Get your army moving around. He was using it as though it was an, uh, an additional piece of artillery. He was using the yeah. D six, and I said, "Well, that's fine. I mean, that's and what that I works." Would... But that's a really expensive fireball, basically. It, yeah, yeah. Well, I think he did the best he could. I I think that maybe you should sit down with him sometime and yeah. say, "Let's talk about how to build your army up front and what what works well." It, well with... Yeah, it depends on what you want to do. He's got all those corollers, and he was hitting you a lot. I mean, he was shooting oh, yeah. you, and he was. Oh yeah, the artillery yeah. was terrifying, which is um, why. I had my initial first turn was my scariest because I said, "But he had nothing." I'm outshot. But my, he my had pl- nothing for when you got into close combat. Right. Once you got to Everything, close combat, the game was the, over. The only thing that could have happened was uh, your hobgoblins were taken, getting enough hits in to do damage. Because well, that's what they were supposed to do. I mean, they, well, I figured they were going to die, but they're completely expendable. Corlers are light armor, and if you're having great weapons, you got no shields. You got a six up armor save, and that's. It. That's that's that you, they're gonna die too quickly for the you, cost. But wouldn't you say, in general, though, a dwarf player these days is taking the great axe instead of the shield? Since your initiative is low and the game well, is initiative based, hammerers only have the option of the great weapon, mm-hmm. so they don't have the shield. Um, I I when I was still before I went flipped over to vampire counts, I was taking two units of long beards because I would always take a lord. Yeah, and I would take. Uh, one hand weapon shield and one great weapon. Okay. So depending on what I needed, uh, hand weapon shield to slow him down, better armor save, didn't hit as hard, but still run longer. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they have heavy armor too. So you got at least a five up save. It's a little better or something. I mean, I don't know. I mean, everyone takes great weapons now because the armor saves. Across the board are a little are not as good because we've gone from 
shield bonus to parry save, which is still good, but is different. A lot it's, of people aren't it's using different. it. It's different. For a game like this, it seems like the strength is potentially much higher. And when a lot of So people the parry like, save yeah. is actually better because it gives you a save versus no save. Right. But if people are going with halberds or extra hand weapons and all that, then the save becomes low, and then it's like, well, I should take a great weapon because a great weapon, if you're strength three, a great weapon if negates pretty, almost any armor. I mean, five up is heavy armor. If you're strength three with a great weapon, they're, they have no armor save, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, everybody seems to be taking them. I mean, that's the current meta. Um, I think every once in a while, though, you pull a surprise on someone because it's like, well, no, I got hand weapon shield, so you're as often as you're not. hitting. I'm hitting you a bunch. Um, it's enough to give you an armor save, but it's a crummy one. And then my armor save is good enough for your great weapon isn't doing enough, and you're hitting last. So with, with my chaos dwarves, I often do hand weapon and shield simply because they already have the strength four. Uh-huh. And with their with their black shard armor and the shield, even a great weapon, I often get to save on a five. Exactly. So there's there's a reason for it. I mean, strength four is not amazing, but it's awfully good considering. Exactly. So so in the case of Caleb, I think that the problem was maybe he's limited by the models he has. The thing is. He played smart. He played a smart game. I just think that the tools at his disposal weren't quite right. I may have had a fairly hard counter for the kind of list he was taking. Well, yeah, I think that was part of the other thing. Is this is one of those things where, when I, you know, you looked at the table and said, "Ish, if Chris gets across the table, he wins." That's what happened. And yeah, and it's nothing against Caleb. Caleb's a really good guy. He's a good. He's a fun player. He's nice to play with. He's nice to talk with. It is funny because I think he's only like eighteen and a half. Mm-hmm. And so he came over, and he met Heather, and he's like, hello, Mrs. Whitech. And I just bust out laughing. She's like, yeah, no, no, no. Well, he's no. a polite guy. He's, oh, I know, but still, it's, you know, it's... He had to, he set up his quarrelers on the line. I suppose he didn't need to, but no. at the same time, well, but at the same time, he probably didn't anticipate that I was just going to steamroll across the table on turn one, which is, once I took a look, I realized that's what I had to do, and I did it, and that's fine. But... Maybe with quarrelers, you set them up. 30-inch weapons, you set back three way to four the inches. Hell back. Yeah. You don't even have to go all the way back. As long as you're three to four inches back, you could still shoot on the turn one if you get it. That's the other issue is that once you set up with those things, you either don't shoot or you don't move. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's it's, it's, it's really tough with the dwarves to set up an all-gunline army. used to be excellent because I could take out half of your guys along the way and know you that could, I scored yeah, a ton of points. You could argue that. You could take someone out before they get to you, but it's a little harder to do. Yeah, dwarven stuff, man. Is uh, I'm gonna just for any of you budding dwarven armies out there, a lot of FAQs. Know your business before you sit down to play because a, there's a lot of reroll mechanics for your artillery. Get to know it because uh, some of the rerolls allow you to reroll the scatter dice. Some of them allow you to reroll the artillery dice. Get to know which one is which. Like I think as a as an opponent of a dwarf player, it's the first thing I'm going to start learning myself so I can catch people because there's a lot of mistakes being made. It's like, mm, that's right. not the one you get to re-roll. That's the one you get to re-roll. This one did misfire. You can't re-roll that. This is the one you get to re You know? Yeah. So I mean, for the cannon, there's the rune that allows you to re-roll either, but it's uh, the grudge thrower. That's the one that, yeah, you've got to be careful. The, well, on the grudge thrower, it was that yeah, you have to re- yeah, That one allows you to re-roll... So you're these, thinking about it. I mean, that's it's, the scatter dice, not the artillery dice. So, it, which actually I think is the best of the two worlds. You don't get oh, it's off ten inches, so I might roll. It might be off only two inches. No, 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 no. Well, no. being able being able to re-roll um, the artillery dice means you can avoid a miscast, or excuse me, a misfire. Yes, 
That's see, that's the one that matters to me as a Castorf player. Right. No, you can't. No, that you can't do now with the cannon. This, there's a spe- at least for the the dwarf player. Well, you could buy something. Yeah, you could buy something that allows you to re-roll it. But uh, but I know the stuff you buy for like the grudge thrower and the bolt thrower. Uh, not the bolt thrower. The grudge thrower. Um, it's you, re- do, you do have bolt throwers in the army still, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Of course you do. Of course you do. Yeah. Um, Sorry, it's my uh, army that keeps changing. Yours is constant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I just I haven't taken a while. Um, with the grudge thrower, it's actually quite excellent because if it misfires, the worst it does, it, you know, it generally doesn't blow it up. Yeah. Um, like the black powder weapons, but that that reroll of the scatter dice, you got a one in, one third chance of hitting a bullseye, and then you get a reroll on it. That's pretty beautiful. Well, the other thing I have to give credit for is you, because I've had so much experience against dwarves. I have to admit, if I play against a dwarf player, I know what they're capable of, and that's scary. But I know so well what they're capable of. It's like, <laughs> well, that's all I played I, for like yeah. two years, yeah, two exactly. and a half years. So you have plenty of experience against dark elves because that's all you faced for a long time. It's like, yep. okay, well, I know what they're gonna do. I know what their strengths are. And if there's a razzle dazzle, I know that too. I know that you can potentially be up my nose on turn one, but maybe that would be good for my army. <laughs> yep. You know, so you probably won't do that. Okay, you're gonna shoot. Then that means I got to run to you. Not, right. Not my best uh, strength with my little legs, but I'll get there. Yep. That's so funny. It's the, that's the exact opposite of how your chaos dwarfs used to be. It used to be, shell them and back off. Don't let them get to you. And then you have yeah. This well, we didn't have we didn't have much of a line. My chaos dwarfs were okay, but they weren't great. And uh, my artillery was good, but unreliable. And it played a little bit more like the the green skin side of it was really apparent because you really just had to cross your fingers and yeah. pray. Well, I think biggest lesson Caleb learned: drill. For the miners, yes, yes, yeah. Uh, it's twenty-five points, and it counts as it's like a great weapon with a plus three strength instead of a plus two strength. And you're like, wow, that's really expensive for just plus three strength. You get to re-roll the dice to show up because if they get lost, the guy with the drill just points it straight up and comes. <laughs> so you get that re-roll. It's important. Well, credit to him, though. He's a good sport. He's a lot of fun to play, and he's a really good company. Oh, he, I play him anytime. Oh, no, he was he was great. I and loved I, having him I here. I can't wait to play him in Blood Bowl. Yeah, and it was so much fun, actually, because I got he was here for the afternoon. He was actually going to stay and play some War Machine. Yeah, I, Harrison then, was very disappointed. I was, his, too. Yeah, his mom got sick and couldn't go pick up his brother, so he had to go get him. So he had to leave. But then, like two days later, I got to play him in Blood Bowl. I was actually looking forward to it all day because he's yeah. a fun—he's a fun kid to, to talk to. And he's cool. With. So, so thanks, to, thanks again, Caleb. Good game. Oh, what else? Uh, well, as far as other gaming goes, I mean, outside of Warhammer, a little bit of video games. You know, I'm passionate about StarCraft right now. Uh, yep. Someone was very kind enough to write me on the forum and give me some other links. So I've been watching StarCraft and I've been practicing. Makes me think that maybe eventually I'm going to need a new mouse. And probably a little more memory. Uh, if I wasn't such a stinking Luddite, I'd be better about being able to upgrade my computer. It's good. The graphics card, the sound card, and everything's up to date, but I don't think there's enough RAM memory. You know, obviously I've got enough hard drive space, but I don't have enough, like, r- memory. Um, because every once in a while there's a slowdown issue. I don't want to have to dumb down the One graphics. One of these days when we're recording, you should have Daniel, we'll have Daniel come over and just bring it over. He'll open it up, take a look at it, and tell you how much it would cost to get better pieces. Okay. But uh, yeah, I don't remember his full forum name, but it involves Panda. And uh, Panda, thank you very much. I'm sorry I don't have the link in front of me. I don't have a smartphone to look at it. But 
Uh, thank you, <laughs> thank you very much for the private message, uh, giving me more links for StarCraft, and I look forward to playing you at some point. Uh, you'll probably destroy me. I'm really not a very good player, but I'm looking forward to it. So practicing that a little bit. I've been playing a lot of Civilization Five when there's time. Although pretty much all video games are going to have to dry up and die because I've been I've been Hobby Time USA for a while. <laughs> um, and the Diablo 3 betas are starting to become very accessible so that's going to be an issue oh, which reminds me when I get home tonight i got to like click on a link for Domus oh really you're right because he wants to play uh, the beta and I told him I would if no one else there's like to, to refer a friend someone else has to kind of click the link and recommend oh, okay. him so if you're listening to this it's far too late so I've probably already done it but I'll take care of that, Thomas, and when I get home. Speaking of getting cool things, I just actually just this afternoon, Donovan Stouter, he was, um, remember West Coast Hammer was out for a little while? Yeah. That's, that's his show. Okay. Uh, he's on our forum, Stouter Power, on the forum. Sure. He sent me a message. He's got some skeletal steeds that he doesn't need. So remember I was taking off all my metal Black Knights and putting the new ones on them? Yeah. He's like, if you want to keep those, I've got some skeletal steeds for you to use those other... Oh, cool. So I will now have lots of... Oh, me and... I cannot wait to get like a four or 5,000 point game going because I'm starting to get a lot of models together. And uh, that's kind of become the thing I really enjoy doing. I think that's why I like the ideas of things like Storm of Magic is because playing with Brad again, Brad getting back into the game, he kind of quit at the beginning of 8th. Yeah. Uh, not that he didn't like the rules. It was just like he was busy and didn't have time to learn a new rule set. And the things he was hearing, he just wasn't too keen on. Now that he's playing, he loves Eighth. But he's a guy who wants to play fun. Like he has no desire to play in tournaments. He has no desire to play competitive. Um, when I told him that I'm taking the Mortis Engine, he's like, oh, I'm taking the Coven Throne. It's beautiful. I'm like, yeah, but the Coven Throne, it's hard to fit in. And the, and the Mortis Engine does this, this, and this. That's, that does so much better for your army. And he's like, he's like giving me the, the stink eye. He's like, there's you worrying about what works best instead of what looks cool on the table. And he's the guy who likes to play field every darn model you have. And whoever has less points, that's the points. You know, if I have 5,000, you have 4,000. We're playing 4,000. Okay. And uh, I like the attitude. I just it's so much it's so much fun though because we do have these ridiculous grand epic battles when we play because it's just like put it all out there it's like it's like all out race war against the two and so I'm actually looking forward to getting some huge games in with him cool. I've actually realized now that I just only I don't have nearly as many dwarf models as I thought I had. I'm like, yeah, I could play four or 5,000 points worth of dwarfs. Well, no. Actually, no, I can't unless I take a lot of stuff that I don't necessarily want. Have you re-pointed out what you can do for your dwarves? No, I haven't because I've been so focused on the VC. The VC. Once I know that dwarves are coming out, I'll pull it all out, point it out, and figure it out. So... In regards to the theme right now, which is the gaming, have you played anything recently? Have yeah, you I did get one game, and I'll just do a, a quick recap because we'll, we'll take a break when we come back. I want to talk a little bit about um, just some of our new campaign rules and yeah. some of the new weird things that have been coming up. Yeah. We always get some new, always need a tweak. That's all right. <laughs> um, my VC, uh, 2,050 points against uh, Ogres. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ogres had two two units of Mornfang, three Mornfangs. Oh, I remember this now. Is uh, the the in the final end he won the war after losing every battle. Uh, well, he should have won the battles though. And the more I look back on it, and the more I was kind of going over it for for to talk about it, I should have lost like turn two. Okay. Um, I lost like turn five, but I should have lost turn two. 
he had two units of three Mornfang Cav. He had two individual saber tusks. He also had two iron blasters, and he had a unit of eighteen bulls. Which I keep. I know that's not what they are, but that's what I call them. Bulls are a good title. I, um, think, I think most people know what bulls are. Yeah, bulls uh, are the regular ogres. Yeah. Right. Uh, then he had a level two maw, uh, bruiser BSB, and a tyrant, all with the unit of bulls. I'm sorry, that just sunk in. 18. He had a horde. Yes. He gads, man. Something I learned about when I take my VC against ogres. Uh, I had a unit of 40-some skeletons that I had my necromancer in, yeah. and then I had the zombies on either side of them, and I figured I had them in horde just because, well, why not? You know? Um, I was getting extra attacks. I knew their attacks weren't that good, so getting some extra attacks would help. Big mistake. From now on, I'm going to set up my darn movement trays with my models where I'm going to be able to just take them and like have a two halves so I can split it five to five. So I can go five wide, ten deep. Okay. Or ten wide, five deep. Because giving ogres in a horde a full frontage like that, that wide, just gives them too many attacks. What is that, 57? Uh, 18 times 3 is 54. Um, 54? He, he did not have a champion, but he did have the BS, the bruiser and the tyrant. So that was another, like, so okay, it was like yeah. 50. It wound up being like 57 with the bruiser and the tyrant because they had extra attacks. Okay. Wow. That's too many. Uh, if I only went five wide, he I would be in contact with four models in the front. So that would be 12 models. So that would be like 36. I'm basically cutting out 20 attacks. Cutting out 20 attacks from these guys is a good thing. Their initiative is low, but so is the skeletons. Skeleton's weapon skill is 2. Um, even if you go in with uh, ghouls, ghouls have no armor save. That makes it almost worse. Um, but their weapon skill is 3, so I'm either hitting on, you know... Well, at least you get I'm the always hitting on attacks. Force. Yeah. It was just... It was, it got, it was brutal. Um, okay. Basically, what worked for me... Um, I did manage to hit his first unit of Warren Fang. I got a spirit host in the flank and the hex wraiths in the front. He had no, he couldn't, they were both ethereal. He had a banner. I had the charge and a flank, so I automatically won the combat. I only managed to do two wounds, but I won that combat by three. Uh, he broke and ran. I ran him down. Gone. Uh, I did make a mistake. I had, my, my list was... Not, I'm, I'm still working with these lists, especially at the smaller points. And I had, uh, I had a master necromancer with a four of ward, a dispel scroll, and master of the dead, which means I can raise skeletons. I had a level one vampire on the nightmare, so he had the two up armor save. He had the armor of destiny, so he had the four of ward, quick blood, and summon creatures of the night, so he could bring back bats and, and dogs. Mm -hmm. And I had him in a unit of, of direwolves because it's the same base size, so he gets his full protection of the unit. I had him kind of pulling up the side. I had the Vargeists out a bit in front of them, figuring that they would, you know, people would want to, he would want to hit those things with his bulls, get all the impacts and the and smash into that. Because um, then I had two units of four Vargeists, the unit of X-Race, two spirit hosts, a pair of bat swarms, the corpse cart, and then, like I said, the ten rules, and then a couple of units of zombies with the skeletons. So, yeah, I thought I had it set up. I thought I was kind of out of his charge arc for his other unit of Mornfang Cav, and it wasn't. Okay. So he attacked the dogs with the vampire. Uh, Ooh, okay. Yeah. 
Uh, I didn't realize Warren Fang get D3 impact hits. I was fortunate that when he rolled up his D3, he rolled a 1, a 2, and a 1, so he had three total impact hits anyway. Dodging a bullet. Um, But then, you know, my dogs, they they didn't do much. The vampire did, like, one wound because their armor save is just so good. Is it a 2 plus? Yeah. Okay. And... uh, Two plus or three plus. It is very good. It, yeah, it's, it is two. It, it is two. Yeah, because they had the, yeah, it was just stupid. Yeah, again, the Bretonian me is angry. And then. Uh, what the hell? And then, so they got the three impact hits. They got their 21 attacks and their three stomps. So basically, they killed all 10 dogs. They won combat by enough that the vampire crumbled and died. So that was my backup. Uh. So there was my backup to my necromancer general. Um, I what, did what that, turn was this? This was all on turn uh, two, maybe turn one or turn two. Yeah, okay. turn two. Uh, I, yeah, because I went first. So that was on turn. Actually, I was on turn one. So I went first. He went and charged them on turn one. On turn two, I charged them with my vargeists. Vargeists are good. Okay, I like them. They get a lot of attacks. They're high. They're initiative four. Mm-hmm. So they were going first. Vampiric, so they can march fly. Yeah. Um, they got in there. They slammed into them. They did well. Um, Sorry, who was their target? They charged the Mornfang cab. Mornfang. Oh, okay. And okay. they hit them in the front, so they got all their attacks back. Once again, John had some horrible rolls. He didn't get any stomps. He didn't get any... Well, he wouldn't, yeah. Yeah, because they're, they're, they're monsters. Uh, and his... his uh, I got to go first. I killed off also the one Mornfang, so he only had 14 attacks back. Yep. Uh, only managed to do about two wounds. Um, I had charged and done two wounds. I, I, I won it by, like, I think one, and he failed his break test again, and I ran those guys down. Wow. So then it was like all he had, bla- his iron blaster, one misfired and didn't get to shoot for two turns. The but, other one shot and hit the black coach, and I got a four-board save. I mean, it was just. He couldn't do anything. Well, here's something interesting. What is the leadership of a Mornfang? Is it eight or seven? Uh, I'm not certain. Because if they're far enough away from the uh, general and the BSB, it seems like Vargeist are the perfect choice then because let's get them into combat. I'm going to prevent you from the impact hits. I'm going to prevent you from stomping. Yes, you're hard. Yes, you do a lot. My strength is high. I'll start tearing through the... uh, the it's, armor? it's strength five, so it took his armor save down to four plus, yeah. which helped. It's reasonable, and yeah. you should be able to get a lot of hits in. Uh, you'll probably go before both the Mornfang and the uh, Ogre. Yeah. So maybe that's not such a bad choice. Uh, the and, whole Ogre army causing fear really negates a huge chunk of what my army kind of relies on. Yeah. You forget how much you rely on every once in a while them failing a fear test, and having one attack at weapon skill one. Oh, it's the difference between a close combat and a one-sided combat. Yeah. Um, so, okay, long story short, he gets off a really long bull charge into my skeleton unit. This so is he the, gets, This is the horde? Yes. Okay. So now he gets D3 impact hits instead of one. Oh, he rolls a 10 or higher. He rolled, because he had characters in the front, so we rolled to see how many impact hits each... You know, each guy did. We rolled separately for each guy. Mm-hmm. Each guy got one impact hit. On six die rolls, he rolled a one or a two on all six die rolls. Okay? Then he gets all of his attacks. Now, I did manage to get off one of my augment spells in my magic phase, and I have the corpse cart right next to it, so I did get the always strikes first. Okay. Um, the, that corpse cart is gold. Okay, okay. Um, giving all of my guys who are pretty low initiative generally always strikes first 
is fantastic. So they have ASF. What is their initiative? Is it one or two? Uh, the skeletons, it's like two. But it's the I same also, as an ogre, so that means you get to reroll. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the Vargeists are four. So suddenly I'm looking at all these extra rerolls. So rerollable four is to hit. Yeah. Um, it's not so bad. So that me, uh, as a dark elf player, what that usually means is seventy five percent hit. Strength three, toughness four. It was just it just came up. Basically, what happened is he charged. He killed enough models with his hits back that the crumble killed every other skeleton in the unit and did one wound to my general. Ooh. And then I, that was it. Here's the problem, though. Here's where I said I should have lost it because. Had he rolled one more impact hit, I would have had one less model. So that would have been one less model to take a crumble and one more wound to crumble on. So that would have been two more wounds. A single extra impact hit would have ended the game on turn two. Uh, you got you, you can't put up a horde of anything in your vampire counts army against a horde of these ogres. They're just, they don't have the resilience. And I, I, that, that's a blanket statement. Maybe a horde of our guys, I don't know. Uh, or, you know, some, but it's just, there's. So what about uh, hex raids? Just charge them in and just hold them. The he- well, the hex raids were the stars of the show. I'm going to think about getting another. I, I, in fact, I have that other box, and I didn't know if I wanted to make more black. I'm making more of these because so, I like them. So in a campaign setting when you can choose and you know you're going up against stokers, they're an obvious choice. Do you think that translates to tournament scenes? Uh, I guess it's a hard choice. It's okay. a hard answer. I, the hex race really worked nicely for me. Yeah. I, I mean, granted, if I go up against stuff that's got all magical attacks, you know, stuff that's got a lot of magical attacks, yeah. they're in trouble. They're fast cav. They have a six-up armor save. That's it, you know? Yeah. Um, the moving through and doing a, five, a strength five hit with no armor save, that's what I didn't get a chance to do because I knew he was going to charge me, so I had to charge him first kind of. But if you can get those hex rays into a position where they can't be charged and then move them through a unit of Mornfang, strength five, toughness five, they do you get six of them. I do six hits, wounding on fours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out of out of three out of six hits, that would be an I would average kill one Mornfang. Because well, they, they disallow armor saves, right? Exactly. So yeah. that two up armor save means boobkiss. Yep. Um and like I said, I don't even like the game itself. I wound up losing by fifteen hundred points because once he killed the general, everything crumbled except for which I didn't realize the rule. If you have the rule vampiric, you don't take crumble tests when the general dies, correct? Because you're a vampire, right? My units of hex rays uh, disappeared. My unit of skeletons were already gone. The zombies started falling down like crazy. My black coach, my vargeists, yeah, screw you. We're still fighting. Oh uh, sure. Um, the problem becomes with them is if you do not have that lore of vampires to give them the rerolls for hitting or the rerolls for wounding or any of those cool things that they were getting. There were just there were just so many ogres. Well, Vargeist <laughs> to me seem a little bit like the Peg Knights, but with well, with no armor, with no ward save, they got nothing. Regen, right? No, no, they don't even they have got that. Nothing. They got a toughness four, and that's their only line of defense. They are. They are. The funny thing is, the the crypt horrors, which are the monstrous ghouls. Oh, they have the regen. they have the regen and the toughness five. That's right. Whereas the actual ghouls only have toughness four with nothing. Vargeists, uh, they have the strength five, and they have frenzy, and they're vampiric, so they don't have to worry about crumble. But they are toughness four with no save of any kind, and. Um, you know, it, it, 
plus because they're vampiric, invocation only gives them back a single wound every time it's cast. So that's right. You're, you're trading off. It, it is there. They are. They have. They are quite the hammer. But it's it, it. Saying toughness four is a glass hammer. I don't know if you'd say that exactly, but for the cost. Yeah, I mean, but they with they well, worked really good. Toughness four is not is not soft, but it's no. not great. No. I mean, it's nothing. It's nothing that you want to put in front of. Right. I mean, if I had a mortise engine, that would have given them a six up regen, yeah. which would have been something. There are tools out there to take care of. Right. Them. I mean, if I took Vargeists and I saw that my opponent was a level four fire mage, I'd probably be upset. Yeah. Hey, listen, why don't we take a quick break? Because I got to go potty. Okay. And then uh, when we come back, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about the campaign? And then I've got some more. Like I said, I, there's a lot of neat stuff with the VC. I saw a lot yep. of the synergies and some really cool things happen. I got my butt kicked on the game, mm-hmm. but it's like I've got more ideas now. And I really think yep. my initial ideas. My, you know, my regrow armies that everyone used to say, you know, before this book came out, they don't work. Oh, they're going to work. Well, I kind of have the same thing for my cast dwarf, so let's get cool. back into it in a little bit. Excellent. All right, so I guess we'll use this old army book as a hill, and uh, we'll use this soda can as the Dark Tower of Darkness, okay? Take your game to the next level with Weird Worlds Terrain. Our products are handcrafted and cast in lightweight, durable plastic resin that's sure to stand up to the rigors of battle. We're adding new products all the time, so if you're tired of the same boring hills and forests on your table, make Weird Worlds Terrain your destination for tabletop wargaming terrain. WeirdWorldsTerrain.com. What's your world? Okay, so we are back. Back. We're back. So back, we're here. So what we were going to do is we were going to talk just a little bit about the campaign. Yep. Uh, what we've learned a little bit about of our armies, maybe how that's developing toward what we're thinking about for the future. I guess we've got tournaments coming up. Uh, yeah. Second kind of views on our armies. You're, you've been obviously focusing on the VC. I've been focusing on the Chaos Dwarves. Yep. Maybe where the maybe where the meta game has taken us, that sort of thing. Yeah. So let's talk about the campaign. Sure. Well, okay, we're Mighty Empires Season 3 we're going into here. Um, and we've made... Starring <laughs> David Whitek as Skippy. As the campaign organizer, also known as the Judge of the Change, which I stole from Dune. Dune. You know, I steal from Dune a lot lately. Elite kinds. Yep. Um, basically, and it's funny because the campaign keeps changing because I, I, I just, I mean, I really... I would love to do, as we said last episode, a sort of a story-based campaign mm-hmm. with instead of a set amount of turns with an objective to reach. Uh, the biggest problem with that is as one team or one player seems really close to reaching his objective, other people kind of want to quit sometimes. I think a finite number of turns is the most reasonable thing to do for a campaign like this because when we have players who are so far apart, well, eventually yes. you're just going to get dropouts. And yeah. in a story-based campaign, dropouts tend to kill the whole thing. Right, and that bec- and that becomes an issue. So, if we were closer, if it was a smaller group, if there was only like six of us or eight of us, and we were playing, it was the, if it was the sort of thing we could resolve over a couple of weekends, that would be great. Yeah. Now we did add some some things to the game because of the issues we had last time with the way that the game works is on the turn when you pick who gets to um, you get to build starting with the biggest. Empire, and if there's ties, we go to whoever had the biggest win in the last game. So when you're building, having the biggest empire is a bonus because you get to you know you're strong and mighty and building outward, and your empire is growing. When you're choosing opponents, 
uh, it goes from smallest empire and worst game uh, for ties up up. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're in like that second or third place spot, and there's ten people playing, the odds of you getting to pick the person you need to play against to get ahead is slim. Now, I was in like last place mo- or ninth out of tenth the whole first campaign, and I missed a lot of our meetings because I was getting there late. So a lot of the issues that you had brought up, which is, hey, I got landlocked and I could never get in the challenges I needed to get unlandlocked, did I never even, did I never even heard them. And I know we probably had discussed them at some point, but I never, like I said, the first campaign, I was just so kind of just into getting in some games and seeing how it worked that the subtleties of the rules as far as what's happening on the top. It's my, nerd, it's yeah. my nerd thing. I like to I like to analyze rules, look for loopholes, and clean them up if I can. Yeah. So. so second season, the same thing started to happen. And at the end of turn one, Grant got landlocked. Yeah. Well, by design. Uh, I actually was he the one He won the who, first campaign, and he's he is a, a big threat when we play. So I literally went out of my way and chose a tile that would cut him off. I, and I think... <laughs> I think it kind of stuck in his craw a little bit because we went with the biggest empire. When, and at the time, we didn't have a rule that whoever had the best game went. It was just the biggest empire gets to play first. And you and him were tied for first because this, like this, this was actually after the second turn. So after the first turn you guys built. Yeah, this was uh, my highly successful Bretonian army. Yeah, yeah, you were tied. So he was like, oh, I get to build first. And you were like, wait a minute. I have the same size empire as you. And they, you diced off and you won. Mm-hmm. And because you won, you were able to lock him in, and he was basically stuck. He's like, I'm, yep. unless I get to challenge Chris and break through, I'm never going to win this. It's on turn two, and, and it was lost. it was just a limitation of the rules. And so we did invent. We actually invented a rule at that time that we actually included right in that season, which we try not to change the rules mid season, but we realized that uh, that can cause a problem. And so what we had done was we had called it uh, advanced infrastructure. Allowing you to effectively urbanize something, uh, an urbanize, further urbanize the right. setting by building up. Your, your tiles are each worth one point at the end of the game. If you have a city on it, it's worth two points, and one city can become a capital for three points. Mm-hmm. So if you have three tiles and there are two cities in a capital and you can't grow anymore, you've got seven points and you're, that's all you're ever going to have. So what we did was we said that you can spend 10 Empire points, which is when we play our games, you can get anywhere from 4 to 20 points, just like in a tournament. Right. Uh, you can spend 10 of them to basically say, we've built some really, we have good culture. That's like Basically, we took it from civilization. You've got, you know, you're building wonders of the world, your, your culture, whatever it is, is, is growing in renown. And so for 10 points, since you can't build outward, you can build upward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that seemed to work. Um, but there was still the problem of if you were in the higher places but not in first, you could never get challenges across to other players. So we added a couple of other things. One was in the strategic events where you get to pick. Like you picked that. You had Headhunter. Mm-hmm. Caleb picked all or nothing. Right. There's something called preemptive strike, which means um, – Unless someone has taken diplomacy against you, in which you have a treaty not to, they can't attack you, or unless the bribery rule, which we instilled, was taken, uh, if you took preemptive strike, uh, and this happened on our first round, 
The bribery was more or less inspired, I think, by the old Shogun Milton yeah, that Bradley was game. Your, that was your idea, actually, and I, I loved it. It worked really well with the game. Um, and that actually added another level we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but the preemptive strike, basically, in the first game, uh, Ed... Was it Ed? Yeah, Ed got to make a... Cha- he was the first person to make a challenge. And he challenged you. And Grant That's had right. preemptive strike. And preemptive strike means that other people are planning their battles, but you have a preemptive strike. So as long as there was no overriding with bribery and no one had diplomacy against you, when the person that you wanted to challenge either got to challenge or was challenged, you could step in and say, nope, I attack him first. And Grant did that. That's so, what he did. And uh, To his credit, because he beat the snot out of me. <laughs> But the preemptive well, strike, I, I think, course, is I had, pretty cool. You know, mine was the the flying circus army of big toys. So yeah. I kind of got what I deserved for not playing smart. <laughs> but it's cool because there is a rule on a random the random events chart, which is the other thing. You have one thing you pick and one thing that's random. Yep. And you can get fame or infamy. And if you're famous or infamous, nobody can challenge you. Preemptive strike overrides that. So even if you get lucky and get that roll and say, oh, you can't, no, yes, I can. In effect, these are checks and balances in place so that there's a regular system of challenging, but it doesn't landlock anyone in. It, right. doesn't, uh, it doesn't hem anyone in from being able to challenge only those people who are left. It allows people to, it allows for a, a flexible system to allow people to challenge who they need to. Sometimes right. you have to pick on the, an individual person. Yeah, and then the final thing that comes in is bribery. And uh, every turn, your tiles get generate tiles. Empty tiles generate twenty five or fifty gold. Right. Uh, I ca- had two, which is why I had more than Caleb. Y- yes, you had a hundred. Caleb actually had one. Well, but he lost he money. Had two, but yeah, he had a, his random event was government corruption, and they stole all his money. But so an empty tile gets you fifty gold. Uh, if you put a castle on it, you get a little more. If the castle upgrades to a city, you get a little more. If you have a capital, you get a little more. Uh, everybody tends to buy these things because the only thing that earn you points, which is how you win the game, is every tile's worth a point, like we said. Physical land is physical land points. Yeah. And cities and capitals. That's right. it. And you can only have one capital. So you have this option uh, to put a mine in. If the tile has a river or a mountain, you could put in a mine. And in the first two seasons, I noticed that I was the only one who ever bought them because money can buy you extra points to spend on upgrading. Or money is, like you said, you had enough money to take a slightly bigger army. You can take a couple extra, I think 300 points extra. Early on, it's very important to win your games because that is the biggest net to buy you more tiles. Right. Um, But now... With the tiles, uh, you know, you can you can take more for your army. Uh, Harrison locked out. Harrison, on his first game, he spread out to a second tile and bought a mine on a mountain. Mm-hmm. And you roll 3d6 every turn and multiply that by 12, and that's how much you get. Yep. <laughs> Harrison had two tiles with a castle, which netted him 125. Then he chose War Tax as his selective event, which is another 100 gold. His mountain got him something like 160 and then he rolled up his random event was Harvest Moon, where his crops gave him even more. So he had, like, f- almost 500 gold. So he bought points. He had an army. Gold becomes good because with bribery, everybody has to if, – if you want to bribe, you can bribe uh, me, basically, the judge of the change, the, the campaign organizer. You have to throw in at least 50 gold. And you say, I'm going after this guy. And basically, the only thing that this doesn't work on is if they have fame or infamy. And you'll know that before you actually set up your bribes, because they roll for that random stuff first. So if the guy you want to attack doesn't have fame or infamy, you throw down a bribe of a minimum of 50 and put their name in. Whoever has the biggest bribe wins, and they just 
they get to attack that person no matter what. Um, if you have that with the preemptive strike, preemptive strike ignores fame and infamy. Bribery doesn't. If you've got the two of those, you're attacking whoever you want. So the options are there to make sure you can attack. Plus, if you bribe and lose, you still lose the money. Because if you give me a bribe, I'm going to keep it. In fact, at the end of the last round, I told you guys exactly how I spent it. I got some new clothes so that when I have the foreign diplomats over, I look much nicer. Oh, sure. So, <laughs> and once again, keeping with a bit, trying to put a bit of a little bit of a story in here, you know, uh, as to what's going on. Um, but so I think all of these tweaks have really helped the game. We've now run into an issue that we didn't run into in the first two seasons. Uh, and that's with all of us living much farther apart. Caleb has joined in. We had Chris Mullen. A lot of people live like, I mean, our first game, our whole group, the person the who lived the farthest was, was 20 minutes. A local campaign, and this has become something closer to a regional campaign. Yeah, we got people who are driving over an hour to get to their games. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the first time, we have a two-week minimum. For the first time, we had people who couldn't play their games. And uh, so we need to come up with some sort of rule for this that's fair, that doesn't wreck your points on the map because you don't want to get you don't want to have the overall game ruined because you simply can't play a game one week, but you still want to try to keep to playing your games. And I, this has sort of been a quandary for us. We discussed this a bunch because I know, like in the Blood Bowl leagues, you hear about if you don't make your game that week, you lose, and that's that. Yeah, it's like a two zero forfeit. But it's also a one hour game at this at the sixteen games. We're playing six games here, and it's once every two weeks. Um, we still need to come up with some sort of a rule. But basically what we did this week was we had three of the five or three of the six games weren't going to happen because of illness or... Well, I think we've had a challenge also in that that first the first two weeks of the campaign, uh, the two weekends were... Uh, one of them was Wapaka. Yeah, the se- the last weekend was Wapaka. So the, when before we all lived close and we could get in our game during the week, but now a lot of people are limited to only getting their games in with their opponent on the weekend. For, for me, that's often the case. Uh, my, my weekday, my weekdays are very busy. And so, the thing is, you don't want to, you know, I, it, it falls to me as the organizer to make the ultimate decision on the rules. I don't want to make rules that are going to make people say, well, screw you. I don't want to play anymore. I don't exactly. I mean, quit. the whole point is to play. Well, and that's what we came down to was uh, this week. We wound up just extending the, the, the campaign uh, this turned by a week to three weeks. And that's perfect. I mean, that means, uh, look, guys, you know, if you can't play ever, then, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be in the campaign if you can never, ever play. Well, I don't think it's a, not even no, not being no, in the campaign. But, I mean, but eventually I mean, it, you open it up to the point where everyone's going to be able to play their games. Yeah. If something happens and just you just cannot get your game in in these three weeks, then at some point you just kind of concede the points or figure it out with your opponent. Yeah. Um, we haven't decided on a definitive rule set. I've actually been working on one. Um, that I wanted to shoot by you at some point. Um, Whatever it is, I'm against it. Okay. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'm, I'm against, against it. it. And even if you changed it all and condensed it, I'm, I'm against, against it. A uh, little bit of Marx Brothers for you out there. Yep. But so, I mean, those, and I've, I know I've been taking a long time, but I really, I've liked what this campaign package of rules has turned into. And I'll tell you what. I like organizing these things. I know, Chris, you said, dude, if you want, I'll stay out and I'll run it and you can play. And I'm like, dude, I'm having so much fun. Plus, we're doing it on, we're not meeting up to play on the board. We took, we met up the first night. We all picked our spots on the board. We took a picture. I have to admit, I missed that. I liked getting together with people. I like getting together, but it became a, a thing where only 
I mean, even the last campaign, there were 10 of us, and only four showed up on a regular basis. Well, it's it's part of the problem of having so many people from so far away. Playing. Right. I, I don't want to exclude yeah. anyone, but it is an issue with if you're that far away. And we were showing up at UGG, and we'd all you know make these efforts. I was breaking yeah. my neck to get there on time, and then we would spend an hour taking the turn because we had to call all the people who weren't there. That's part of why we play Warhammer Fantasy. I mean, I play video games, too, but... There are times where I want it to be face to face, right? But I'm saying the games were at least you know we obviously the games are face to face. Those turns, as much as I love them being there, it became impractical uh, just because so many people couldn't make it, and it just it, it really at least for me personally started to feel like a waste of time. I was killing yeah. myself to get yeah. there every other Monday, and then we would sit there for literally. I mean, sometimes it was almost two hours just to take our turn on the map because I had to keep calling people and finding out what they wanted to do. And eventually I, we had I to make you. a rule that said, listen, if you can't even answer the phone, then I'm just doing it for you. And I felt bad about that. And this way is actually kind of cool. Everybody sends in their orders. I get them all. So I'm watching all these the, the paperwork. I compile it. I post it up on the forum. Everybody sees it. I send an email with it to everybody. And then they have 24 hours to get in their, their challenges. And then they've got two weeks to play their game. Um, watching it sort of unfold that way has been really... Yeah, entertaining. I, I, I still like being able to meet. I, I find that having to come up with everything on the fly and anticipate what could happen is a lot more challenging than just saying, oh, okay, this is what I've seen happen so far, then I'll do this. Well, I mean, you're going to make your orders no matter what, and there's a bit of fog of war, but then you don't make it's, your challenges until it you is, see. It is different, because rather than being able to respond to what's already happened, you have to sort of guess. Yeah. And I, I, that's why I like the other way more, but I mean, it's we don't have much of a well, choice, I mean, it sounds but, like. But... And I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm not debating this with you, but I, the way I was looking at it is after the games are done, the first thing you're going to do is decide where you build. And you pretty much have an idea of where you want to build no matter what. I could see that other people building before it, you might it, adjust your... It does opinion. make a difference what other people have done. Okay. Uh, after the building phase, though, then you go to the picking your... I don't mind. It just makes a different game. Right. It doesn't ruin the game. It just makes the game different. That's fine. I, either way is fine. Yeah. And I, like I said, personally for me, I like that on the games, we're playing the games, but on the map, you've got that fog of war. I like the fog of war on the map. Like, you, you kind of, I'm here in my area, I'm building, this is what I'm going to do, and it, then... It makes it I'm interesting finding, that yeah. you don't know what other people have done until it's too late. And it's like, oh, I, uh-oh, that was the wrong choice. He did this. And then, yeah, and once you see it all, and then you get, and then you get your games, and then suddenly it's like, oh, he did this. I may need to challenge him. And so suddenly we've got these other things. Um, I think that the the things we've added have really la- added a couple of interesting layers of complexity to the map, though, because really Mighty Empires is a two-page set of rules that assumes that everyone's going to get together and like spend a day just playing games because there's rules in there for if three people challenge the same person, he can either play them all separately or they can each take a small section of the army and all play against him at once. I mean, there's a lot of weird things in there that assume you're all hanging out together all at the same time, and we just don't have the schedules for that. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think what I like the most about the whole thing is just the fact that it's one of the few opportunities we have anymore uh, since so many of our games are played with the tournament sort of in our mind. Uh-huh. That it means that for once, for, for a change, we can actually sit down and play a game where it's, I'm going to build an army because I know I'm playing against you know, ogres, dwarves, right. you know, it's like I can build, and that means that I can take those unusual choices that you don't see as often. Yeah. That's a lot of fun it, it, for me. It's, it's, this is far more hobby gaming. It's hobby gaming. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I didn't decide to take, you know, I was metagaming within the campaign. Okay, I'm not taking the destroyer because 
those stinking dwarves are going to snipe it right off. And I've already right. had one game of that. I don't need my heart broken twice. And, I mean, you don't need a campaign to hobby game. No, but it's a nice it's a nice vehicle to do it, to make the excuse to do it. It adds a story, and it's like Grant even said. Um, you know, when I talked to him and I said, you know, we might have to go to a three weeks. And one of the things he said was, why don't we not just say it's all going to be three weeks. Let's do this one three weeks and do next one. Let's plan it for two weeks, and if it becomes a problem, we can always extend it. But let's try to keep it to two because this is the one time you could look at your spouse or your things and say, I'm in the campaign. I have to get my game in. Mm-hmm. So if you're hitting a dry spell of gaming, you have to get your game in. That's fine with me too. So, um, you know, like I said, I'm just I'm really enjoying it. I'd love to take it even further, sort of, and make a story campaign at some at some point at some later date. But uh, I really find I I just I think Warhammer shines in the story campaign sort of. Tournaments are a lot of fun, but I've just come in the last like two months to realize that. As much as I love the social aspect of tournaments, tournaments themselves are just not all that important to me. Like I like It's funny that you say that. I like building models, I like painting models, I like playing with my friends, I like playing big epic story based games. I love a good tournament. I mean I have had fun at every tournament I've been to and the funny thing is when I go to a tournament, I can't wait for the next one. You know? But I and I don't know how you feel about this, but I think the biggest problem I have with the tournament is not the tournament itself, because I love going and seeing all the guys I haven't seen. I can't wait for Adepticon, see the guys from Ohio, see my friends from Indiana, see, you know, get, even just get to see Domus and Hastings and those guys who I don't get to see. Yeah. But a couple times a year, that part is awesome. I find all, though, but I find that I'll just... Like right now, all I can think about is what size list am I going to take for a Adep- like I have 2,200 points I need to fine-tune for Adepticon so mm-hmm. that I can do. I don't plan on winning, but I would like to not just get my butt handed to me all day. I mean, I'm paying to be there, and I'd like to at least have a decent showing. Yeah. You know, and my hobby gaming is sort of being pushed, which I really love, is being completely pushed aside because I've got now – Two months of nothing but prepping for Adepticon. And when that's over, I've got a month and a half to prep for bits. And it's just like, I love it. And I love meeting the people. But I've, I've come to realize as far as I, I personally go, it, the tournament itself doesn't necessarily mean all that much to me. I love seeing the people and hanging out with them. But I really, I think I enjoy the hobby game, the garage game, so much more than the hardcore tournament game. I appreciate what you're saying. I... I, I just recently admitted, I think I don't know if it was on Twitter or on the forum, but um, that slowly, very slowly in time, I've come to realize how much I am enjoying the tournament scene. And that's not because I'm a competitive player. Yeah, I'm not. I know I'm not. Right. And that's okay. I mean, for me, the, the pleasure is recognizing trends and talking about it. Now, what we're doing right now is fun for me. I yeah. like to be at the tournament not because I think I'm going to be at the top table, but because I want to watch the top table and I want to talk about what we saw. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, and, yeah. But, I mean, I want to be that's there. that's the social aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, I want to be there. And, uh, you know, for the party, for the playing, for the fact that for a couple of days, our hobby is our life. Yeah. You know, without... I think we're kind of in agreement. I, it sounds like I it. Think. Well, I mean, the thing... I think that part of the pressure that we might feel when we go to a tournament is um, 
for the longest time we really didn't have painted armies. I know yeah. that I know that for the the first tournament at uh, Core Comp. I mean, I was up till God, I don't even know, it was four in the morning painting. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was miserable the next day. I was right. nervous because it was my first big tournament. Deep in my heart, I was still hoping I would actually perform well, and it was a rude wake up call to see just how little I knew. Right. You know, that sophomoric feeling of, yeah, I really didn't know what the hell I was doing and I played like it. But, uh, you know, the as your army sharpens up, as it looks better and better, as you realize that there's less and less you have to tweak to make the paint jobs the way you want, it's like, oh, I only need to add 10 more to this unit. Uh, I need to paint a full unit of these guys. I can do that in two months. No sweat. and It'll look beautiful. Right. You know, and it means that in time you can start hobbying on other armies and slowly build them up as well. Yeah. Um, and I actually enjoy the army building. I love I love doing that. And like I said, it's just, I mean, I said I love building models. I love painting models. I love coming up with lists. I love sitting around talking with you. The, the reason our show is so goddamn long is because we'll sit and talk Warhammer until our tongues fall out of our mouths. It's true. We love sitting and analyzing, but we love to analyze games, too. Yeah. I mean... Oh, we've been when, doing it all of our lives. When we were kids, we would sit and watch the other play the one-person role-playing game, and we would switch off every few hours or let someone take a shot at it, but we would not mind just sitting watching the other guy watching the other guy play. It's, and Well, usually when we, you and I were playing like Nintendo, when we were playing a strategy game, yeah, one person would say, wait, wait, try it this way. Exactly. Yeah. We're sitting there analyzing and playing with each other, and I think that when we play in the in, in down here in the crypt, that pressure of the tournament isn't there. Like I said, that idea that I really, I, because I do find myself getting far more competitive on that level, and not not I don't become win at all costs, and I don't I, I I I'd like to think, especially with my sportsmanship scores, I'm I I could say with confidence that I am I'm a, a fun person to play against. I try to be nice, even when I'm losing. I try to laugh because I really don't care because I don't expect to win. Um. I guess the only thing, like I say, that I don't like about it is all the prep time that leads up to it. Not the painting, but just the nobody wants to play anything. Like, seriously, between now well, and see, Adepticon, outside I hear, of the I campaign. Remember, I remember we had this conversation, and you were asking me, you know, Chris, you've played this Chaos Dwarf list over and over and over. Don't you get a little tired of it? At the time, I didn't. I was enjoying the experience. I can understand where you're coming from. It might just be, you know, it, well, you and I both like the variety. But I, I did enjoy the lead up to it. It was refreshing once bits was done to say, let's retire that list, move on. It's not even the list, you know, because with my VC now, I've got two months and then another two months to actually come up with a decent list because so, stuff is so changed. I'm trying to everything. But it's like I'm stuck at a point level, too. It's like nobody wants to, hey, why don't you bring 4,000 points over and we'll just bash at each other all night. No, I really need you. Would you rather just do 20? I really want to get a practice game in for Adepticon. Oh, well, okay. That 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 hobby gaming, that story gaming, that the campaign. Well, that's concept, why we have the campaign, I yeah, guess. Yeah. I mean, that gets lost in the shuffle. And I think having the campaign here is, I've, I've, I've really grown to love it because of the fact that it's something that's going to be different. In fact, one of the things I wanted to do for the campaign is change the, from a 2000, in the campaign uh, to the next campaign, raise it up a bit more to have it just slightly bigger games. What do you think, at 22? I was thinking 24, but I'm thinking everyone else is going to say Care- 22. Careful with 24 because remember that the money that you're going to add on top of that, at least 250 more points. So now we're talking about a 2650-point game. Oh, that's true. So, that maybe, maybe, so maybe, 22 might not be maybe bad. Maybe start with 21 or 22 at the most because you, want, good you don't idea, want it. Good idea. Yeah. 
Yeah, because then if you add three, then it gets up to 25, which you don't want to get bigger than that because you can add up 300 gold. You don't want it to be too big. At 3,000 yeah. points, the game significantly changes. Yeah. And while that's fun for some people, if it's the norm, if it becomes the norm for every game, it might be a bit unwieldy. True, true. And that's why I like chatting about this stuff with you. Well, it's good to like sound said, ideas off of each other because sometimes not... I'll suggest things that are just whack. <laughs> wickety, 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 <laughs> wickety, wickety, whack. You better check, check, check yourself <laughs> before you run, run, wreck yourself. <laughs> Dave, I'm just not going to do hamster style anymore. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just and I and I, I I hope I'm not coming across as negative towards tournaments. Man, I love everyone's going to think you're a jerk. I'm going to go to Adepticon and be like, "Why are you even here? You're a jerk. Go back to your jerk. basement, fat boy. You're not even a real boy. You're a fat robot." <laughs> Is that going to be? Is that your NWT nickname? Or it sure as hell better not be. What do you want? You got to come up with something. It can't uh, just be I white tech. Particularly like Spirit of Grungeny myself. Of course, Spirit of Grungeny isn't much better because Spirit of Grungeny is the name of the freaking blimp that uh, <laughs> that. Um, well, it's gonna it's gonna Malachi blow off the McKyson. time. I mean, I'm pretty much I'm pretty much relegated to Tover, and I'm fine with that. We got Yutang, we got Handsome Man, we got Big Noble. <sighs> yeah, and then there's me, and just. I swear to God, it's going to end up being robot unless you come fat up with something. Robot is not. It doesn't a, have to be fat robot, but well, I mean, that's what I am. Because morbidly obese robot doesn't fall off. Doesn't trip you better not be morbidly top. obese. We're going to start jogging or something. I am. Damn you! You're going to live forever. You. I <laughs> keep. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the for the kind the kind uh, uh, sentiment. Robbie, your son wants to call you Robbie. Robbie the robot. Yeah, I know. Under I understand it. Not Robbie the robot from. Uh, Forbidden Planet because he's never seen that. Robbie the robot from the first story from iRobot. The robot who couldn't speak. The Will Smith? No, not that. Will Smith had nothing to do with the books. Oh, you're talking about the book? The book. Okay, okay, okay. The first story about the robot that couldn't speak I didn't think he read the book. Uh, Actually, yes, he has. The kid is pretty darn well read now. Speaking of reading, guys, if you've never read it, um, it, uh, Isaac Asimov's robot series, the Robots of Dawn, the Caves of Steel, the Naked Sun, they're all very good. I've only read the... First one in that series. The there, it's a little bit. St- I think it's isn't the Caves of Steel. Caves of something? Steel. Yeah, it's it was a, good. It's a little bit dated as far as sci-fi goes. It's the sort of glittering future sci-fi that most writers don't write about anymore. You know what it is? It's it's like that twenties and thirties sci-fi. It's planets that are you know million planets people, that colonize galaxies, spaceships everywhere. Their, you know, people go in their little hovercopters to mm-hmm. work and. Meet Elijah Bailey. Yeah, it's but it's. It's so much fun. I love it. Good book. Interesting book. But, I mean, and I didn't mean to oh, wow, look, I sidetracked us. What a shock. <laughs> Stay on topic. Um, but it just, it, it kind of came into my head today. It's just like, and I noticed you've been, in the past few months, you've sort of really sort of geared up, because I know when we first started this. Honestly, Dave, Wapaka, and I've uh, I've told the, I hope the Point Hammered boys have heard the message enough, but let me just say it again. I know you said it to Johnny on Twitter. I am so jazzed from Wapaka. The, 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 the the fire in me is absolutely blazing for hobby. I can't wait to get this army. And, I love my so, chaos dwarf so army. So basically, I owe Johnny big time and Raj and Bear because you have been such a. It's like you know you've even said you would rather you know you would rather have root canal than have to sit down and paint your army and. You know what the the other difference is? My army is real. I can't tell you what a difference it means to be able to actually sit down and say, this is a legal army, and I don't have to explain it to every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Oh, that's right, because before it was, they would accept yeah, the I mean, NDGT I mean, list. The GT but now... was cool, and, and 
God bless Kevin A. Coleman and Matt Burdoff for that book because it's so good. And it was such an influence. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I've, I've also told I was on, Matt was on Twitter recently, and I told him, "Look, man, this is like you know, uh, total fanboy moment. Thank you so much for that book." Yeah, but uh, it uh, is nice to have a legal army because now it makes a big difference to me because I felt like it felt like what did I do wrong? Why did you have to ostracize my army? Did I exactly? Do? Yeah. Like all the poor forty k squat players out there saying, "Yeah, what the just, hell? I mean, I, I get it, but it's a jerk thing to do." And I was right; it was disappointing. So it's like to to have this army; it's like so energizing. And then to go to a place like Wapaka and just it's so fun, yeah. You know? And and everyone's so cool. Yeah, I, like I said, and I don't doubt any of that. I think I think the even when I only I mean I couldn't play in bits because I had stuff to do that weekend. But yeah. I came by yeah. on Saturday night. Yeah, you were just, in prison, right? Yes, I was in prison. Prison. Yes. Say that. So then my students listen. They'll go start looking for my prison record. That's right. I actually have students who listen to the show, by the way. I found that out today. You should probably stop them. <laughs> I forbid you. Why is your voice cracking? Shut up. Um, I don't know. Like I said, uh, it was so much fun to go to bits, even though I wasn't playing, just to hang out with everybody and, yeah. and chat. And once again, sit around talking Warhammer. Yeah. Um, I, I think the social aspect's amazing. I just, I think I've come to the realization that I'm... I don't know. Maybe someday I'll be good enough to get to the top tables, but it's just—it's not even a priority for me. Having trophies and winning all my games is not. See, for me, a close game is my favorite game. I, I want to win about half my games. Oh, I want to win them all. Well, I don't. I, I mean, don't necessarily want to beat face every game I, I play. I'd be delighted if I took a podium, but at the same time, well, I, you could win all your games and still have some of them be close and not podium, and you can still be a, a, a consistent sure. winner. I mean, for me, I mean, at the very least, I want no one to ever regret playing me. And at the most, I want them to look forward to playing me. That's uh, that's about you, all I can you ask. You want to be Tom McClure. Huh? You want to be Tom McClure. I was told at Bits I actually gave him a run for his money. I would that There's a prize I would love to win. Not to take it Best away from sportsman. Tom. It, not to take it away from Tom. But if we <laughs> could, you know, if we could no. both, let's both win it, Tom, together. <laughs> and bless America, would you please tell Eric to get on it? Let's go with Brohammer. Let's oh, go, Brohammer. Give Bro the guy Hammer. a break. He's got a lot of kids. He's gotta got to work. It's not coming I'm a police back. officer. It's not, not like the job I do is important. Everybody loved the show. It's not coming back. You He's never busy. know. You never know. Well, quit harping on the guy. He's a cop. He's going to get pissed. You're going to be pistol whipped. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pistol whip me. I'd be sad. So, Mr. Once a Year Podcaster. <laughs> Here's to you, guy who does it once in a while because he's like busy and stuff. Busy and stuff. Busy and stuff. I got crap to do. Got a real life. Got to right. arrest people. So let's talk about right. your uh, chaos dwarfs a bit, and then we'll come back to some of this crap I found out about vampires because the synergy that we suspected is there. Yeah, it's there, dude. All There's right. some really cool stuff. There's. I, I'm actually trying to build more other items now because I'm like, wait. If that works, if I put this in it, this is really going to work. So I'm really, I'm just, I'm loving the hell out of this new book. Well, a couple of things. Since we originally reviewed uh, the Tamarcon book, and even before that when we had some of the... Oh, I, that's right. I remember we did cover Tamarcon, didn't we? We did a couple of episodes ago. <laughs> a couple of Four episodes. Four a couple of episodes. <laughs> we also talked about the list uh, because we got a preview of it. Right, right. So, I mean, we were able to take a, a couple of looks at, at the rules. One of the things we debated about a little bit was the, the Chalice of Blood and Darkness, uh-huh. uh, the effectivity of the Destroyer. That guy uh, is pretty cool. I got to say, it's a lot of points. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will probably consider taking it for a tournament, but I'm not sure that ultimately it's a great choice all the time. A good comparison here is it's a lot of points that you invest like a big unit of hex rates. It's yeah. a, you know, the, they're ethereal, your hex rates are. But really, one spell can delete them. And they're 30 points a model, so there's there's a lot of points you could lose just from a cheap spell. Right. You know, something easily that counters them. If I play against dwarves, if I play against Skaven, and there are a lot of Skaven out there, could yeah. easily delete this thing off the <laughs> table. <laughs> they do multiply. And, yeah, yeah. and poison attacks will also deal with it. But it's a very hard counter for a lot of lists. It's a lot of points, though. Yeah. Um, I'm still considering it. It's The thing is, what I discovered when I played against Grant is that poison is, is a hard counter for this thing. If you have a lot of, like, skinks will kill this thing. Yeah. Because they could just spit all of those poison attacks, and it doesn't matter if it's minus one to wound if you don't bother rolling to wound. Yeah. And that's, if if, if you've got a Chaos Dwarf player out there, and you're having a trouble beating him because of constantly taking this thing, there you go. There's a freebie. Poison attacks will take care of it. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I have rediscovered the power. Does he have an armor save? Nobody's a four plus ward save. Oh, so the so he's still got the ward at least. He does have the ward save, but, but quantity will beat him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what it's, else? It's not like the Mornfang Cav, which have the two-up armor save. So Poison, I think, is far more effective against them because it's negating a two-up armor save. Poison doesn't negate this armor save. Oh, that's right. It doesn't. No, oh, it, so Poison is... What am I saying? I'm just tired. I'm sorry. It's all right. Uh, no, po- Poison is excellent against a high toughness against uh, no armor save. Like, right. Like... Um, Poison would do very well against... Vargeists. <laughs> Vargeists. Well, but the Vargeist only has a toughness of four. Yeah. I mean, still. at this point, I'd just shoot it with arrows. Yeah, that's true. Uh, what I'm thinking of is Poisonous does very well against the War Sphinx, which oh, yeah. only has a five-plus armor save. So its natural roll will probably fail. Toughness eight doesn't matter when you don't roll the wound. That's true. Okay. Or it's Obviously, it's great against War Machines. Yeah, terrific against War Machines. Yeah. Uh, what else against with Chaos Dwarves? I have rediscovered the love of the Hobgoblin. I was really, again, with Caleb, I was, I was amazingly happy with the results of my two-hand weapon Hobgoblins. They're four and a half points. Not to mention, he charged me, and I had um, throwing knives. Okay. Which means I even got to stand and shoot. Oh, jeez. You know, I got with four and a half points, and... That's a horde. So if everyone's touching, and everyone was, I had 41 attacks. Nice. That's a lot of damn dice. Yep. You know? Now, if I use the lore of Hashut, I get to re-roll all those with hatred if I get the spell off. Nice. It's pretty good. I mean, if you, I can't take lore of shadow unless I take a Lamasu, but um, lore of metal, I might be able to get a plus one to hit. Lore of fire, I might get a plus one to wound. There's a lot you can do. They're they're good synergy. Uh, the fact that they're not even going to have animosity anymore because they're right next to a cast dwarf, I would strongly recommend taking these, considering the, otherwise the least expensive model I can take is a 12-point cast dwarf. Very expensive. So the hobgoblins are really worth their time. Uh, magma cannons are very good. Um, although I'm starting to think about whether or not I need to take a hell cannon. Might Might be time for me to buy one. Yeah. You know. Uh, there are a multitude of builds. I have been experimenting primarily with taking less magic and more artillery. I've even considered the possibility of the only Lord I have is level three. All right. But I've even considered taking uh, a build with very little magic and lots and lots of artillery. 
I'd still have to take Demon Smiths to make sure they don't misfire. Right. The other choice is to take no artillery, which is unusual. It's sort of a new idea I'm, I'm trying where I have lots of blocks, but then I take the Kadai Fireborn, I take a Kadai Destroyer, I take an Iron Demon, I take Bull Centaurs. They're really fast. This yeah. is a very fast, surprisingly hard-hitting army. And they can even take a unit of Chaos Dwarves with like great weapons, for example, and just give them the Swiftness Banner. Yeah. So now they're marching eight inches a turn. So there's uh, there's a lot to experiment with this army. I, I've actually, that one of the next armies I'll probably try involves less artillery. As good as it is, and it seems like the obvious choice, there are times when I don't want to stand back and shoot, and there is an aggressive army that you can take with this with this army. Cool. Um, let's talk about VC for a little bit. Sure. Um, well, like I said earlier, I I think the Vargeists are. If you're looking for a hammer. They're really good. The fact that, I mean, I was looking through the rules to reread the rules for Crumble, and I realized that if you have the vampiric rule, you don't uh, take... The, hold on. Dave's just died, unfortunately. I just died. You're back from the dead. Aha! Just like the VC. Uh, Skip Stevenson. <laughs> yeah, like Skip Stevenson. Like Skip, that's it. You need... That's your... If you ever play Wapaka, yeah. you need to make your man of intrigue a Skip Stevenson zombie. Oh, I got to put him in the little the little checkered... Uh, what are the Argyle... Uh, Sweater vest. That's right. And you know what? You can even say, you know what? He's a real people. He's a real people. And, and it, like one in 12 will get the joke. Well, thanks. Thanks for getting it, Harrison. Thanks, Harrison. Um, I said uh, uh, the Vargeist, I think they're excellent for a hammer. So you're still convinced that the Vargeist is a better choice over the Crypt Horror for the moment? Uh, well, no. I haven't played the Crypt Horror, but what I like about the Vargeist, it hits really hard. It's Initiative 4. Mm-hmm. So if you can get, I mean, you can often attack first, so you're doing a lot of damage. You're not getting as many attacks back against you. Um, if you can couple it with your magic phase and get some good synergy, the Van Hals is letting you reroll hits. Um, the name of the next spell, which I totally forget the name of the spell, lets you reroll to wound, which when you got strength five and you're getting rerolls to wound, that's pretty awesome. Um, you got a corpse cart near you. The corpse carts are so valuable. I... I bought a second one. Um, just the idea that if they get a, a an augment, which half of your spells are, excuse me, if an augment goes off on them, um, they they suddenly have a six inch bubble of always strikes first. That's very nice. Taking and first and and uh, it takes away the ASL from the zombies before giving them always strikes first. So it doesn't just go to their initiative one. It, they actually get always strikes first. What a mess if you, like, run those guys with that effect up against Thunder Tusk. Uh, oh. Because the thing grants them ASL, which is trying to be taken away by the corpse cart. Right. Well, which is now being granted again by the uh, Thunder Tusk, which is attempted to be taken away. Oh, hold up. Here, let me let me read it to you to see if it, it says zombies affected by Vigor Mortis lose their always strikes last special rule and gain always strike first instead. So it doesn't oh, say there. It, it says there specifically. Yeah. Okay, so it's more specific to they lo- they lose there always strikes last and gain always strike first. I apologize. Instead. Okay, so yeah. it's it's a little bit more clear in that they have they come to the table with that rule and the corpse card is designed specifically around their zombies. Right. They have it already. Would they know? The, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I apologize. No, no. Don't apologize. I mean, I I I was with the way I was saying it. I wasn't reading it exactly. What, as what I didn't realize is that the rules on this thing were specific to the rule that they recognize is already present on versus yeah. if they have it, it's just gone. No, no. It's just on the zombies. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Okay. okay. 
Well, thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so what was I saying? So You're talking about the fact that you have two corpse cards, and yeah. you mentioned that you picked up a second one because you think it's so useful to the army. Well, here I am. I got a... I got a I got my uh, level four sitting in a unit, mm-hmm. and within six inches of him are the two corpse cards, kind of back and off to each side. Okay, he casts invocation. That's an augment spell. It hits all the units within six inches, including the corpse cart. Now each corpse cart makes a six-inch bubble around it, giving everything and my army ASF. That's amazing. That's very powerful. Uh, I couldn't figure out why uh, originally. The Unholy Lodestone used to be like 25 points, and now it's 30, uh, and it allows you to re-roll one die on that Invocation roll. Um, Invocation is so good. Invocation is stupid good. I think it was Green Tsunami. was. I think it was him on our forums. Was just He just put up a battle report. He said in his game, he invoked and re- either put back or grew something like 200 models in one game. Wow. I mean, I played it. I got it off once. Yeah, I see him a little bit on Twitter. And allow me to grant you a moment of where you can claim I told you so. Uh-huh. I am enjoying Twitter. Yay! So it's awesome. I'm, I'm glad. I knew you would you once know, you got on there because... It's, it's not necessarily that I enjoy social networking sites very much. It's that I happen to enjoy everyone on it. Well, and that's the thing is you pick who you want to be yeah. friends with and I, talk to. And We are blessed. I hope that everyone who plays Warhammer that listens to this show is as lucky as David and I. Uh, the Warhammer community we have access to, what, what a fantastic bunch of dudes. Oh, and yeah. La- the ladies and, and, and fo- the, the guys and girls who play this game are so cool. The coolest people in the world. So well, Yeah, and like I said, when I got on Twitter, I was just doing it for the show, not because I wanted to. But I figured we should be there because there were other... And once I realized, I kept saying, dude, you want to do this because... Well, know, you were right. hundreds of games. And that's... And, and like, like even Dan. Dan Helan's got Helan Hammer where he tweets about Warhammer. And then he's got Dan Helan where he talks about stuff that's not Warhammer. Yeah. Well, now, now we understand why he, Dan was so enthusiastic about Twitter. It, it's not the love of Twitter. It's the love of people on it. Oh, yeah. So I, I go check it a couple times a day. Like when I'm on break, when I'm on my planning period from work, I'll click through, see what people have been saying. I'm glad that it's a I, constant stream of Warhammer. I, I, I still don't have the access to it outside of like a computer at home. So, But when I'm at work, it's every once in a while I can kind of look over and say, oh, there's about 17 different new messages. Let's, it's a constant stream of let's, Warhammer. Let's take a little brain it's, break. Yeah. And because it's worldwide, it literally is a constant stream of Warhammer. I'll fall asleep and wake up six hours later and look, and there's like 98 or 100 some odd tweets. Well, that's the fun. Yeah, I'll see uh, the dice bag lady, Annie Normal, I yeah. think is her name. Uh, yeah, so she'll usually like bid everyone good night about the time I'm ready for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. I yeah. really am. Um, so let's see what else. And by the way, Annie, uh, I don't know. I doubt you listen to the show, but just in case you do, your, uh, your crypt horrors look fantastic. Oh, yes. So. Yes. Um, so let's see. Um, oh, here's another little synergy that I kind of like. Hex Race, when they do their remaining moves, they move through the unit. They can uh, they can cause one strength five hit with no armor save, right? Right. If I can keep them within the range of, like, if I'm moving my, my army forward, if I'm really trying to move it all forward and not just hang my general towards the back, I can run my Hex Race through your unit for a bunch of strength five hits. Mm-hmm. And because they're fast, Kev, I can reform them any way I want as long as they're within their movement, right? Right. Keep them, I move them, keep them right behind you facing you. Then I Van Hells them for an eight-inch movement. Boom, they go right through you again. <laughs> another string, another bunch of strength five hits. 
So uh, that assumes you'll be in the range. What's the range? Uh, the range of Van Hells is uh, 12 inches. Can you extend it? No. That might be a challenge. I know it's I, it, it's not always going to work, but yeah. if you've got your general or if you've got your generals on a horse, you're taking a choppy lord vampire, mm-hmm. and then you're taking a couple of level two necromancers or something like that, you could have a vampire who's a level two who might wind up with like Van Hells and Invoke. I mean, there are situations where it could come up where you can, it, it's it's a synergy that's not an, an necessarily an easy one, but it's another thing you can do with this army. You're uh, you're starting to talk about magic. Can I pull you in a direction with a question? Sure, please okay. do. So you obviously we we went through and had our first impressions of the vampire magic phase and their new lore, and okay. obviously how it's a reflection of how it used to be. Your your impressions now that you've had a chance to use it, um, is it as powerful as it looks? Can you do as much as you used to be able to do? The spam casting, for example, the spam raising, the ability to punish the opponent in the magic phase, is it still there? <laughs> Which one you want me to answer first? Uh, and in whatever um, order makes sense to you. Uh, lacking the spam casting means, obviously, that... I mean, there's just certain things I can't do over and over and over again. I can't just keep doing a spell until I get it how I want it. Okay. I mean, I can't even invoke. You've got one chance, basically. you got one chance. Invocation is the signature spell. It's the regrowth spell. Well, that, one, can, that one you can build a list around being able to spam cast because you can give it to every, lots of people. Yeah. Right. Um, hey, here's a question. If I have someone who has lore master, yeah, okay. So I've got like Heinrich Kemmler has lore master of vampires. Then at, that is an unusual case in which you can take a second vampire to replicate spells under those conditions. So they can replicate because I looked yes. up the rules and I couldn't find anywhere where it said that. I I hate to say that I'm not 100 percent sure, but the last time I discussed this, I believe that was the result. Was that was the one case where you can have multiples of spells outside if, of the signature? If anyone's listening and we're wrong, could you let me know? Because right now I have a list that I'm building with Kemmler, and I'm only what, taking level ones. Why don't we take a 30 second break? We'll put in like a little cue musical intermission, and okay. give me two seconds to look it up. Sure, sure. Is your name a killing word? Is your mother a hamster and your father smells of elderberries? Did it turn out that those were the droids you were looking for? If you know what I'm talking about, chances are you're a gamer. What better place to get your game on than the Game Preserve? The Game Preserve specializes in analog games of all types, like board games, family games, chess sets and jigsaw puzzles, and especially hobby games. They carry the complete GW line as well as Magic the Gathering, D&D, and Clicks. They have gaming space for tournaments, game nights, and demo games just about any night of the week. So stop shopping at the jerk store and be one of the gaming elite. And visit the Game Preserve with four Indiana locations to choose from. Two in Indianapolis, one in Bloomington, and one in the gaming capital of the universe, Lafayette, Indiana. Visit them at GamePreserveStores.com or call 765-448-4200. Game Preserve. If you're not shopping here, the only winning move is not to play. Okay, so because I've actually, we, we we just looked it up, guys. We, we got welcome back, and you know, Loremaster the, does in fact address it, sort of. It, well, and this is why because I've asked, I've heard other people say no, but now that we're looking at it up the way I'm reading it, if you look on page one sixty two, ordinarily each spell can be known once in the same army. The only exceptions are where a spell is not generated randomly, such as. If a model has no choice over which spell or spells it knows because it's fixed in the model's rules or been bought by a specific part of army selection, which lore master, lore master. Th- so you, fits into that. You, you don't you don't choose the spells. You, you instead are assigned all of them. So right right there it says 
that, that's an exception. So I guess that would right there would answer my question. But if you're for not Master, certain, yeah. So if you wanted all, so if you were able to get Lore Master with like a level four, and then you yeah. bought a level two, you could roll randomly for those spells. Yes, because then and it says the, the other exception is if the book or lore states you can exchange a spell, which is like your signature spells. And then this is the part that confused me. It says uh, uh, near the bottom, it says something about. Uh, it says, otherwise, if you roll a spell twice, you must normally replace with a duplicate spell with another choice from the list. So if you roll a duplicate, you have to pick something else. Right. If you cannot, because all the but other spells are already taken by other wizards, the extra spell slot is lost. So I think that's what people were focusing on, that last sentence. Right. But that actually says, if you roll for it and it's a duplicate, and they're saying, well, it is a duplicate because he's got Loremaster. They're all duplicates. But he doesn't have a choice. So you don't have a choice. Once exception. you've taken Lore Master, you've, you've spent on it, and you don't choose anymore. You have them all. Then you're allowed to okay. replicate the spells. So, but okay. VC no longer has Lore Master. No. So. Well, Heinrich Kemmler has Lore Master. I was thinking about taking him to Adepticon. So that's what I was asking. He seems very powerful to me. I like him. I like him well, I guess, a lot. I guess the weakness is he's, compared to vampires, easily killed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's got, what, toughness four or three? He is toughness four. Okay, I guess that makes sense. He's human. Yeah, um, sort of. His cloak of mist and shadows gives him some sort of bonus. I forget what. Uh, bah, 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 bah. Where are you? No, no, it's not you. Here we go. Oh, yeah. I don't think he has any armor save. Just a ward four plus. No, five plus. No, any ward save. Well, he has the. Cloak of Mist and Shadows. It's an enchanted item. At the beginning of each of Kemmler's turns, choose either Fly or Ethereal special rule. He has that to the beginning of his next turn. Well, Ethereal's not a bad choice. Yeah, Ethereal, yeah. As long, yeah. And uh, So you're either immune to the attacks or you get the hell out of there. Exactly. <laughs> this turn, I'm going to choose to get the hell out of there. The great new game by Hasbro. <laughs> hey, get the hell out of there. The game. So, I win. I got the hell out of there. So we were talking about the magic... The magic, really, it's funny because, like, you've lost certain things. You used to be able to raise models. Would be able to, uh, they've got a lot more restrictions on how many wounds you could put back. Yeah. If you're vampiric, you could only get one. Before it said if you're a vampire, you could only get one. It reminds me of the TK limitations now. Right. Other stuff could get more than one, you know. Dogs, you could put back as many as you want. I think it's very powerful, and right. obviously it encourages you to take the highest possible level wizard if you're going to be bringing back the dead. But you could put back, uh, now it's infantry is D6 plus the caster's level. Mm -hmm. Vampiric and ethereal is only one. Everything else that's not infantry, uh, is it infantry? Yeah. Everything that's not infantry or a vampire or ethereal? Then they get one plus the wizard level. So so if you're a level four, that's five. If you're a level two, it's only three. Three, right. Um, so there's a lot of different things in here, but like this wind, the wind of death, which is the magical vortex, which is actually kind of a cool magical vortex. It's nice to have one in the army because that is a, you know, everyone says your army needs something that packs a punch. That's a punch. And winds of undeath would winds of undeath would attack every possible unit on the table. It would wound them on like a five, a four up. You would they would take one wound, right? And then all the wounds done would create spirit hosts. Correct. That's gone. Yeah, which I really liked it. That's very scary in seventh edition against like the ONG with yeah. all the all the landmine units. I really liked it. I don't really 
miss it all that much. I got to be honest with you. It's like now that it's gone, it, it's not one of those things I say, oh, I haven't played a game yet where I was like, man, I really wish I had that still. Playing against it, I don't miss it either. Right. Uh, Summon Undead Horde is gone. Which was that's where you could get three D six models replaced. Yeah, the hell with that. I don't miss army. that either. Well, honestly, Invocation does so much better now. Invocation used to be pick a unit and do it. Now it's in a bubble. What I like about it as an opponent is the theory that it's not all going to one unit, meaning that it'll it'll, it'll spread the love across a whole bunch of units. Right. But I don't have to worry about one unit getting like eighteen guys back. You might. Uh, and that's that's where this invocation is so freaking awesome, especially with the zombies, because I know well, yeah. zombies, yes, but I don't have to worry about ghouls. Uh, seeing ghouls have this. No, ghouls would be between five and ten, right? But still, that's up to five or ten, and because it's the uh, lore attribute, if you got two or three necromancers out there, you could suddenly see. Like I, I was telling you earlier, I threw down an invocation. I don't know if I said this earlier in the show or not. He was he was in a unit of skeletons, mm-hmm. and there was a zombie unit on either side of him. He cast Invocation. I had some good rolls. I put back nine skeletons. I put back 12 zombies in one unit and 13 zombies in the other unit. But, I mean, there are only so many spells you're going to be able to get off. Well, I don't even, even if you've got two units, even if, got, if you have two um, necromancers or whatever, necromancer mm-hmm. vampire, chances are the opponent might prioritize that as something to stop. And that's fine. But the point is if I've got, you know, i got a level four and a couple of level twos or something like that, uh, it's a six-point spell. I can throw two dice apiece at it. The problem comes in is if you have a crummy magic phase. If you roll up and get a really crummy magic roll and you're counting on all these, you know, I, I'm not going to put in a small bare bones 20 zombie unit and rely on the fact that it'll be 40 later. Yeah. Because if you have a couple of bad magic phases or your opponent just says, do whatever you want, you're not getting off invocation, suddenly you're in a world of trouble. This is going to lead into a question. Do you mind if I might take Go a... ahead. Let's okay. do this. So you're talking about the magic phase, and you're talking about being able to like take on a couple of necromancers, be able to spam back a whole bunch of guys. Uh-huh. I, I'll use the term spam, but I don't mean it in that sort of negative 7th edition connotation, right. but meaning you can... Meaning you can cast it more than once, which you right. can't do with anything else right now. But in order to sometimes guarantee you're going to get back the numbers you need, there are certain vampiric abilities. There are certain you know certain effects that you can buy back. Yep. But you have before talked about how in an army like the vampire counts, uh, the points are limiting. They're so expensive that you can't take everything. Right. You've made a couple of comments that I would like to see this with a bigger game. It's not likely to happen in Eighth Edition where the campaign or the the tournaments are going to start playing larger quantities. Well, no, no. So. It means that you're going to be forced to make hard choices. With that, with those hard choices, you really do have to pick one or the other. I'm going to go heavy magic, or I'm going to go heavy combat. Right now, where are you going? Well, the lists that I'm writing are kind of in the middle. I do have the level four, which I'm using to keep the... the base. Is, is that a one plus? I mean, I, mean, I guess you can go Ghoul King, right? Which means it's not, but... I could go Ghoul King, but a Ghoul King and a Vampire are so much more expensive, and because your general has to know Vampires and the other guys, you're going to want a couple of guys who know Vampires. Yeah. I just don't... I, I don't well, know. Let's, let's say it's not a 1+, plus, then. Let's say it's entirely it, dependent on the list you're taking. If you're yeah. taking a level 4, you're building list A, versus if you're taking a I Ghoul could, King, I you're could taking absolutely, list B. Oh, exactly. Okay. I, could, I could totally see you taking... 
two or even three level twos. I mean, a level two necromancer is 100 points. Was there ever, ever, ever any reason to take a level three over a level four? I mean, would you ever see that at the moment? I mean, you could change your mind tomorrow, but it um, sounds like, is it kind of all or nothing? I mean, I suppose if I really needed the 35 points, I could... So that's something I could drop down to a level. Th- I could drop into a level so, three. So I'd if you're taking just, if you're taking a heavy spellcaster, you're going to probably maximize it. I'm probably going to take him to a four because you're gaining back wounds plus your. There's too much. There's too much payback for doing it. Let me put it this way: If I was taking, say, if I had some uh, two units of say ghouls or a unit of grave guard, um, at ten and twelve points a model, the thirty-five points I spent to get that extra level. I get off the invocation, and if I get one extra model because that extra level in all three of those units, that was the cost, the points value of that upgrade. So, you know, I think that with that, just just having done that, the, it makes it taking a level four will make up for itself. You can't afford to take in a twenty four hundred point game or a twenty two hundred point game. Can you afford to take two lords like a level four and a level one vampire? Uh, twenty four like necromancer and a level one vampire. Uh yeah. Do you don't uh, do you do that? You you can at twenty four hundred. Um, you're not going to be able to give the vampire. You're not going to be able to trick him out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because you want to give your necromancers. Your necromancers already at two hundred, and you want to at least give them a good, a decent ward save. So you're now at about two forty five. But that's still at twenty two hundred. Leaves you almost three hundred for the vampire. As long as you're not going to try and level him up too much, you can you can make it tough. Then again, you're putting a quarter of your army into two models, which... And there's the problem. Exactly. And it's still all vulnerable to killing blow. Yeah. Okay. I think that there's a uh, there's a very good argument to take the Choppy Lord and take three level twos. I think if you really are playing a higher points game at 2400 or something like that, or even two level twos, a Choppy Lord, uh, you know, keep his lo- level low because it doesn't matter. Uh, so he's coming in about 200 points. Then you trick him out with all the best weapons. Or take the Ghoul King. He can take the four-up ward talisman. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have a ward save. He's crazy tough as it is. You know, he's got eternal hatred. Infinite. In, oh, he's got infinite hatred. Because he hates those dark el- or those elves. <laughs> <laughs> you give that guy, you know, either Quick Blood or Red Fury. Give him the Red Fury where he's re-rolling, the, he's re-rolling all of his attacks and all of his wounds. He's getting extra attacks. Uh, you know, give him maybe that blade that gives you a couple of extra attacks on top of that. Boom, I don't think boom, you, boom. you can't give him a blade, though. The, the Ghoul King? Can you give him a blade? You can give him a magic item. Can you? Okay. Yeah, give him a magic weapon. Give Are him. you sure? Yeah, he just can't take armor. Oh, no armor. Yeah. Okay. He can't take any armor, which is why you got to give him that talisman. Yeah. If you wanna, oh, right, because he's a spellcaster, so he can't take the armor. Right. Yeah, if you want to have armor, a guy armor, who's, armor. if you want to take a guy who is just beastly tough, take him. At 2400 I could take him instead of the level 4. He'll wind up maybe being a little more expensive, so i got to trim somewhere. If I want to, now my black coach has been amazingly good, uh, and it's not taking away any of my magic dice anymore, which so has made practice, it better. you found it to be as good as you thought it was going to be? Oh, yeah. Better? Uh, I, you know, that 4-up, that 3-up armor, 4-up ward, I got hit with the uh, iron blaster, and I made my 4-up ward save, and... That just probably makes a cannoneer want to cry. Yeah. Oh, that was a waste. I only have six turns to shoot this thing, and there goes one of them. I mean, I hit that thing into the flank of the uh, ogres. It's got the scythe wheels. Uh, that plus one strength, my, the, the, the horses are hitting at strength five. Mm-hmm. The wraith is hitting at strength six. 
Uh, you know, it turns ethereal all of a sudden. I mean, it's, it's brutal. For 200 points in a rare slot, it can be brutal. But if I'm taking a choppy lord and I really and I still can't, I'm worried that my level twos aren't going to be enough. You know that mortise engine is a huge target. When that thing's built, it's going to be I think like ten inches tall. I mean, it's huge. That giving you the plus two to uh, the plus two to casting, so your level twos suddenly are casting at level fours. Yeah, why why not? You know, if the thing gets destroyed, it gets destroyed. But, man, it's, it's two, for 240 points to get that. The only thing is if you miscast, you roll it twice and your opponent gets to pick. Well, even if you took level ones, three level ones is 195 points. And then that Mortis Engine is, is making them cast at basically a level three. That's, you know, I, it's the, the different synergies. I'm Like I said, I'm, I'm working with them and I'm having so much Just fun. Just watch out for the Hellheart if you do that. Oh, sure. Boom. Oh, yeah. yeah that, that, that's one item from one army, though. And, yes, it sucks, but I'm not going to... I wouldn't necessarily prevent yourself from building a particular army against one magic item from one army. Yeah. Exactly. You know? But it's 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 been so much fun. And as I'm building stuff, I'm going, wow, this really works. Wow, that really works. And then I turn around and realize, oh, I haven't even tried this yet. Like I said, the Hex Wraiths, they were beautiful. The var guys are beautiful. I, I still think ghouls are viable. I wasn't taking them too much. It's it's so well. I, you probably have a little bit of new toyitis too. You've got a new army. You certainly know and are familiar with how the ghouls work. It would be refreshing, I think, to be able to play with something other than ghouls. But they still have a place. I you know it, it's weird because I would like to take them instead of skeletons. You're a little punished for them because you're paying more and you can't bring them back. To past their starting number anymore. And that's what it is, yeah. is that my Necromancer for 20 points gets Master of the Dead, and my 40-man skeleton unit, or my 40-skeleton skeleton unit, within a few turns can be 60 or 70 skeletons. But on the other foot, they're the only core unit you have with a weapon skill of three, isn't that right? Versus uh, two or even one. Right. And uh, their initiative <laughs> is higher, um, toughness is higher. But then the nice thing is uh, you've still got all those those poisoned attacks, which is the auto wound, which mm-hmm. you know, which offsets it. Um, the problem is, I'm also I'm, I'm paying that much more, and like you said, I can't I can't make sure that they stay. So it depends, I guess, on what how you want to build it. But at but, least you can fill the glass back up. Yes, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, this army is just so good. Another, I mean, they're not over the top. I'm, you, know, you know, you know. Like I said, I have trouble with them against ogres. I'm still learning. I have trouble with everything against ogres. So I'm still learning how to play against. I them. think right now that you're feeling a little bit about ogres the way I originally felt about the warriors of chaos, and it took me a long time to say, okay, here's what I have to do. Yeah, and I'm still not always winning, uh, but at least I. It's you know the, the you mean the warriors you mean just the big blocks of of two hand weapon uh, corn warriors with lots of attacks and then another block of zinch with a good ward save troll the, alert troll <laughs> alert and then the hell David Whitech is now trolling David Whitech is using his power of going over the <laughs> airwaves to pick and poke at Grant Hanserman Fetter two hell cannons and big blocks of if blenders you are receiving and receiving this message do not be trolled chicken man on a disc be careful and all this other you... nonsense and filth flarn <laughs> filth and sick of the not okay i'm done i i wasn't even going to mention it till you said it and then i was like oh that would be fun well it's a good comparison though i mean because they both are sort of what i'd like to call high-handed armies where it's obvious what they're going to be able to do to you across the table yeah same with bretonians it's like 
well, they're going to be faster than me. They've got a better ward save, they've got a better armor save, and they hit harder initially. And it's pretty much guaranteed that they're going to charge me. They've got the upper hand. Yeah. I need to do something tricksy. <laughs> <laughs> and ogres are like that. They're faster. They have more wounds. They're harder to hurt. They hit harder. They've got impact hits. They'll probably get the charge. I just look at them and, and affordables pound for pound or point for point, however you want to you know phrase it. A I'm, horde of bulls is just about the most vicious thing in the see, game, in I'm my opinion. I'm lucky in that I play cast dwarves, and I'm not afraid of them because I have the weapons that actually do multiple wounds at strength six. There you go. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I'll just breathe fire on you, and you'll be dead, and I'll be fine. They're just, it's not even that, though. It's just a horde of bulls, once again, it, they have so it's the many yeah. attacks between the impact and the stomps and the attacks. I mean, like you said, 50, with those other models, it was like 57 attacks plus minimum six impact hits on a charge plus six stomps. I mean, that's that's almost 70 attacks. You know how to stop that? Don't get charged by them. Charge them with a single guy with the stubborn crown. Oh, yeah. You know, so the, the most that they'll be able to attack with is the problem. Well, not with it, my army. Well, I mean. <laughs> I lose combat res and he goes crumble. He crumbles, yeah. Well, not against. Oh, yeah, stubborn. Never mind. Yeah, it doesn't work with you. Yeah. So just resurrect. One guy? Not going to no, work. No, well, no, no, no. Not one guy. No, well, no. But that's the thing. That's why I learned I am never, if I'm looking at ogres across the table, I got to be ready to pull my models out and go from that horde of skeletons or whatever I have to flip it sideways and go five wide yeah. and take the ranks. Take the rank bonus. Take the, the I mean, steadfast means nothing, but he won't have it. And I need to deny him all those extra attacks because it's just brutal. I mean, I had it at one point. What about um, what about distracting them with like throwaways? I mean, you've got these dogs now. Actually, I wanted to ask you about the dogs anyway because um, well, in the games I play, they got just wiped out. Wiped and I'm out. Pretty annoyed. Well, um, they are they they've always been core, but yep. now they're kind of well, they count towards the they points count for towards one. core. Yeah. So I mean, when you look at them before, and it was the what core do you take in the VC? It's either skelly, zombies, or ghouls. And, and in seventh to, edition, you had to it was out a way ghouls. to fit them in yeah. because you wanted a couple of but throwaway now, deployments. Now legally, you could take three big units of dogs equaling one quarter of the total of the army, and it's legal. I mean, do you consider this now like is this one of the major core choices that you would actually consider at larger quantities? I'm trying. Or are they just not very good? Um, I mean, the fact that they can actually hit at strength, I think it's four on the charge now? Strength four on the charge isn't bad. The thing is, they're eight-point models that have no armor save and their toughness three. But so they're, they're just but they're like, cheaper than uh, ghouls. Yes. Faster, hit harder, no poison attacks. If you're taking them alone, they, um, I believe they have the Vanguard special rule as well. Okay. Uh, am I am I missing something big? You know, are they really soft and just too expensive? Too They're big pretty squishy. And the thing is, if they do take a with the twenty five millimeter wide base, they, if you know their weapon skill sucks. Two, they, one, two, uh, right, two. Yeah. So if they don't get their wounds in, they're going to crumble. And if you have ranks, once again, it's that whole idea of the static combat res against them. Can you bring them back beyond their starting number? If your vampire has uh, summoned creatures of the night, which one vampire is going to have? So you got to make that choice. You got to spend points and make that choice. Yeah, okay. they're uh, they actually yeah their weapon skills three, weapon skills strength toughness. Well, really, that's not bad. 
Uh, unit size is five to twenty, and at eight points. Here's the thing: uh, you're limited. Okay. Yeah, uh, I actually. After getting crushed, turned around and added more to my army, which seems counterintuitive. But here was my plan with, and this is what I was doing. Um, I wanted to take a lot of. I like the Vargeists. I like them almost better. Uh, the Black Knights are good. I yeah, like Black yeah. Knights a lot, and they're very good. Well, they're um, just like straight up muscle, aren't they? Yeah, and they have killing blow. Yeah. Well, they're graveguard on horses. Uh huh. But I do like the Vargeist ability to fly, the fact that they're vampiric so they can march. I mean, there's so many pluses with the Vargeist. I didn't necessarily have points for the Black Knights. Um, and what I wanted to do was I wanted to take a, a vampire who could do a little bit of chopping. Now, he's a hero-level vampire, but a hero-level vampire is still kind of a badass. They're very hard to kill. So I put him on a horse, gave him the shield and the uh, armor of destiny. So he's a two-up armor save, four-up ward save. You know, he's good, okay? Gave him quick blood, so he's getting always strike first. He's getting himself some re-rolls. Uh, he's not a bad not a bad little vampire. And uh, so I, but, but what, how am I going to protect him? He's just going to get targeted and, and knocked off the board because uh, you can't put him in a unit because he's, he's on a cavalry base. Put him in with the unit of dogs, except, as I found out, one really bad move and, or a good charge by your opponent, and he gets crumbled. So I actually changed my list up, took a couple of zombies out of each unit, took a couple of skeletons out, and made it a 19-dog unit. So now he's in it, and he's got summon creatures of the night, so he can actually raise them up and back past their starting size. He's in a unit now four deep and five wide of dogs. They do get the charge. They get the strength four. Mm-hmm. The plan is... The problem that I've found that I that I've learned now with my VC, this is my the, my big learning curve, and everyone's gonna be like, "Yeah, duh," is when you charge in with crap, a lot of it dies, and then that causes you to crumble. So I think what I'm trying to do it, with it's them, like the lesson you learn when you have a, a fairly close combat, and then you charge in with a whole bunch of fodder on the side, realizing too late that that gave up the whole combat. Exactly. The additional the the one point bonus for the flank charge. And the charge from the you know the, the the charge and the flank don't make up for the ten goblins you're about to lose, right? Which completely throws the numbers off. Exactly. Now in a normal game you could be steadfast and it doesn't matter. With me, he kills off an extra five dogs. Suddenly the combat res goes from me winning by one to losing by four, and four more models from every unit right. in that combat it's come off the, the downside table. of every unit being un- otherwise unbreakable. So what I want to do is I'm thinking. And here I am just talking my lame strategy, just telling it to everybody who's going to play me later. <laughs> but move him up on the first turn and then pull him out of the unit. Have him right next to the unit because they're the same base size and stuff, so I'm going to get my lookout, sir. He's got the two-up armor save and the four-up ward. I, don't, I plan on charging him in into the flanks as a solo or into a war machine. My whole intention was to use the dogs to sort of deliver him and then have them chase around chaff. But make sure they're there. Now, if they do get charged, you need to have a lot of them because they're going to just die and crumble. Um, against smaller units, stuff that's like infantry and things, you can charge them into the side then. But I want to sort of keep them on their own. Mm-hmm. But I would like, I want to have that opportunity to just have that one vampire charge in on his horse into your flank, get the charge bonus, get the uh, other things that will um, – the other uh, things – the all you know all the attacks all the kills suddenly he's racking up a huge uh a huge amount of kills a huge amount of combat res right. that your 
two to three attacks back just aren't going to do to him with his save and his power. So that's kind of my what I was what I was trying to do, and it just got wiped out before I could try it. So, and that's with the larger block that you described, or was the block smaller it, it was at the, the block, time? It had ten. Ten. But now, you, now you get closer to twenty. Yeah. Well, as soon as I get them built. Okay. That, but that's what I wrote up to see how that works. Plus, I'm just thinking against like infantry hitting in the flank with uh, twenty. Um, I'm breaking their. Uh, they're getting. You know, they're not going to get their uh, rank bonuses. Mm-hmm. Because I'll disrupt them. That's right. I'll, that's right. You'll get yeah. Dis- for you, it seems like it's a big deal. Um, in this army, can you still not take items from the BRB? Are you still limited against those? Or can you take them now? I don't think I ever was limited against items from the BRB. Oh, it's the demons. I, yeah, I don't know why I get that confused. No, yeah. you can take. Them. Never no, mind. I can take them. Okay. In fact, I do. <laughs> so it seems like things like otherwise expensive war banners make a difference. The war banner is a nice thing to take. It's yeah. a twenty-five point item. It's just plus one combat res. Thirty-five now. Oh yeah. Well, I haven't taken it in a while, but it's, it's been a long it's time. Good. Well, it, it used to be almost a one plus in seventh edition, but frankly, these days it's uh, it's just not taken because that right. one point really makes a difference. But for you, it might. Well, and the other thing is, like when we're just playing against friends at home, if I'm not playing against a fear-causing army, taking a couple of guys with some of those cool vampiric leadership. Deleting, you know, give him the guy who causes terror. Mm. Um, I did have a few things that caused terror that were nice to use. I mean, because he causes fear, I cause terror. He's still taking fear tests then. Correct. So it was nice to have that. But some of the cool vampiric abilities minus one to the leadership. Yeah, uh, yeah there's something. If you know you're going to be, if you know you're going to be dealing with other things that are problematic, like ogres, and you find that you're struggling with them, take a lot of terror. I guess the black coach causes terror. I mean, uh, a couple other things cause know, terror. So, I yeah. I think it's, it's fairly well known that ogres terror. don't have good leadership. Well, he passed all his tests. He well, yeah, you, you, because <laughs> he it's a small army. Yeah. And they, they keep within the bubble of the general. But. Right, exactly. Um, but, yeah, Aura of Dark Majesty, minus one of the leadership. You get the beguile so that in, you know, uh, beginning of close combat, a model in base contact has to pass his leadership at a minus three. Or else he has to re-roll successful to hit rolls. So you get that vampire with that up into close combat. Someone challenges him. Okay, well, minus three to your leadership, which even if it's a nine, now you got to pass leadership test on a six. Or else you got to re-roll your successful hits, which you're usually hitting on fours because vampire's weapon skill is stupid high. Mm-hmm. Weapon skill of a vampire? It's yeah. like a seven, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. You've got the fear incarnate. Where they have to re-roll successful fear tech, successful fear checks. Uh, if you have a BSB nearby and you pass it successfully, the, the re-rolls negate each other, so you don't have to. Re- if you're within the BSB's bubble, then that re-roll your successful fear checks is negated. So once again, if they can stay close, but anything out on the fl- <laughs> out on the perimeters, you you start like the, like a good vampire army. You start picking on stragglers first. Yeah, and then once. They're down to the huddling, terrified mass that's, like, being protected by the general. That's a new charge in with the horde. Yeah. I mean, and, I, you know, I kind of want to wrap it up. I kind of want to wrap up the show because I'm kind of beating a dead horse here, I think, a little bit. but Or an undead horse. Uh, an undead horse, yes. There Thank you go. You. I'm beating a skeletal steed. Thank you. Try the veal. I just, I, and there's still so much for me to discover. Yeah. But I have found a few things that really do work. Um, and I think... If you're worried about losing, like I said, I lost. The, I had two characters, and I lost the non-general character on turn one. 
So when the general finally died, that crumble was vicious. Having nine or ten models on the board that had the vampiric special rule, another another plus to the blood knights, which are really expensive, but they're so tough. But it seems like a lot of the choices for the vampires, there's there's no, like, with the exception of the vampires themselves, it doesn't seem like there's any one particular model that's just over-the-top A-bomb crazy or, you know, Kedai Destroyer crazy. But it seems everything like... In this un- everything in this army can be handled. Right. But, there's, I mean, you, you need... It seems like everything in your army potentially has a hard counter to it. Even the Blood Knights, it's like, well... If there's a way to deal with this armor, that's a lot of points to get killed instantly because they only have one wound. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, well, they're they're tough. And, they're really tough on the and offense. And I can cast invocation at them with every ma with you know. I got to get in range of them, mm-hmm. and then I got to cast and put back one. They're kind of on their own. You, they're and a then, bit like yeah. they're a bit like the animated constructs for the TK. Once you get them out there, you can't expect to heal them. I mean, a unit of five with the command, and you might not take the Castell, and you might say, I'm not taking the champion because he's forced to make, you know, uh, challenges and stuff like that. But, I mean, they're still 50 points each, so a unit of uh, the unit size minimum is four. I still have always kind of taken five. I don't know why, but... Maybe because there's so many points, it's actually a better option for some people take to take four, only and four. You put, a, you put that vampire on a horse in... The unit with them. There you so go. But let's say I just take the four. That's two hundred points. Um, Ten points each. Actually, it's cheaper now. But so it's uh, two hundred two twenty for the musician, the standard bearer, and then you can take the flag of blood keep for seventy five points, which That's gives them extremely expensive. It is, and it's a good. I mean, it, it the flag of blood keep is good. I mean, if you want to make sure they get to the battle. The flag of blood keep gives them a four ups ward save against ranged attacks. Mm-hmm. So it's cannon protection, but and the thing it's is, but magic the, missile protection. I mean, anything that's not close combat is pretty much a ranged attack. But are they a one plus or a two plus armor save? Uh, are I they? They're shielded I heavy they're armor two. barded. Yeah, so two plus. Yeah, shield heavy armor barding. No ward save. Uh, no. Well, other than their banner of blood keep. No, no, they're not. So yeah. that's it. I mean, their strength five, toughness four. They're vampires. Weapon skill five, strength five, toughness five, initiative five. Toughness no, tough, five? Sorry, toughness four, oh, toughness four. God. Weapon skill five, strength five, toughness four, initiative five. Two GW, attacks. make me a Britonia book. Two attacks, leadership's only seven. That's why you want to maybe put a, a vampire in there a little better. They have frenzy. So those four guys are pumping out 12 attacks. And then their nightmares are weapon skill three, strength four. What is their leadership? Seven. Frenzy. There's your there's your issue. Chris, you're going to put a whole bunch of chickens out there and make you go running all around the world. You could do that. I could also just make sure that unit of five dogs stays in front of them until I want them to. Yeah. I mean, there's there's always been ways that they've always had frenzy. They've always been ways to deal with saving that. But it means it does mean that you'll need a little extra infrastructure to protect the fact that these right. guys are going to want to storm off and do their thing unless you stop them from doing so. Exactly. But, so you, but you, that means you get to be a uh, you get it to be a mental step ahead of the game. Exactly. But that's the beauty of the dogs having a movement of nine. As I can put them in there, they can move nine right an inch ahead or two inches ahead of my my blood knights and going to keep them from charging anything until I decide to move them out of the way. And they can still move quickly. 
I don't know. Like I said, there's, there's, there's so much to discover, so mm-hmm. much to explore. Um, I like the more dissension. The more I'm reading about the Coven Throne, if we start playing big points games, I'm glad I bought. I'm, I'm going to buy another one of these things and build one. Um, that's 230 points, and you got to put a character on it, and it's sort of a missile magnet. But that's a total push it forward, man. Get it into combat with your, especially with you have a, a Lord Vampire. With that leader, that contested leadership tests, you know you can have the uh, the unit you're attacking outside of you attacking. You can force it to attack itself. I mean, that's just that's all sorts of cool. So you think you'll take one on a bigger point game? I'm gonna try, I'm, I'm gonna try it. Yeah, okay. I'm I'll curious to see it in action. I'll definitely play it to see how it works. Um, like I said, my biggest fear is the damn thing's almost a foot tall, and yeah. it, people want to kill it. It's a bit how I feel about the Destroyer for my Chaos Dwarf army. I mean, right now, the way my mindset is, I really do want to take one. Although, I wonder if that's for the fun of it. Although, the really, I mean, it's a bit like your, your hex rays, your ethereal. It's, uh, there's not a lot out there that has the easy answer, but for those armies that do, I could lose it very quickly, and it's a big investment. It seems like your Coven Throne is very similar to that situation. You know what I mean? It's yeah. a lot of points to put on the table. Uh, I remember when we were listening to Helen, or we both listened to Helen Hammer, and uh, Wayne Kemp was describing one of those one of those games where he just went ahead and built a list with lots of um, well the, the A bombs. Yeah. He's like, you know, I played in the tournament. I had two of these things, and for an army that couldn't deal with it, I walked all over them. Was it fun? Don't know, but I walked all over them because he's not really that kind of player normally. He doesn't right. But I mean, for those games where they had the hard answer for it. Then he had nothing because right, they just took. Oh, well, I, I can kill one. I can kill two. Yeah, it's like well, it's like I handed them the points, and if I wonder if your coven thrown and my destroyer are the same way. For my list, I don't know what I'm going to do if I'm going to take the destroyer or not. I've bought a model for it. I'm going to go ahead and use the Balrog for the time being. Yep. The question is, does it make a tournament list? And I don't know the answer yet. And certainly not against Grant, <laughs> but um, against like newer players, it'll be a wake up call for them. I can, I, I suppose, like a noob stomp. <laughs> but for but for experienced players, like well, I mean, let's also say, I mean, Grant did take a list knowing you were bringing that. I mean, he was. I mean, he didn't know you were bringing that, but he was fairly certain you were going to try it, and he knew you were bringing cast dwarfs. He did make an army design. I mean, he planned. Grant on that. Grant is uh, his mind was in the game more than mine was. Yeah, and I to be frank with you, I had a fine time. I had a lovely time. Oh sure, but I also deserved the curb stomping that I got for not thinking. You know. Anyway, right. but. Um, so yeah, I've got I've got a lot of choices to make, and I'm actually looking forward to designing lists with lots of magic, with less magic. It's hard to take less magic for Chaos Dwarves right now, because it's yeah. the only Lord I have. But I'm looking forward to more um, to trying lots of artillery and also almost no artillery. And the, I'm having fun with the idea of this surge army. This uh, you know, yeah, no, who would expect it? Yeah, I mean, it's like in fact, uh, this this. This book has made me want to get in days where I can just have a couple of lists ready and maybe have a day for getting together to play. Play a couple of games. You know, just see if if this gets smashed, let's re-rack it and play it again because it might get smashed. I'm taking risky lists just to see what happens because I do want to take a a Heavy Lord list with a couple of level twos and just not not even with the Mortis engine, which works well with it, but just a Heavy Lord list with a lot of, with a lot of, you know, tooth cracking, face smashing, and just see if I can smash you fast enough and not worry about regrowing it. <laughs> well, all I know is it's. It seems like oh, bless you. It seems like Thank it's you. a very exciting time for us Warhammer players because we've got all these new army books and we're all learning our game yep. all over again. 
And on when this epi- the, the the day this episode hits, we'll also be getting news of what's coming next month. Looking forward to it. And it's either going to be an Empire list, or then we know we just got another month to go, and then something something new and something else fun to face. Well, should we take a little break and then wrap, come back and wrap up the show? Sure. All right. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm. It doesn't separate from the base. They custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. Hey, folks, you all remember Billy. Unfortunately, he can't be here for this commercial today. Why? Because after reading Unseen Lurker magazine, he's gotten so many tips from gaming to modeling to painting that he's decided to take his skills out to a tournament. And from what I understand, he's out there right now at the top table winning games and wrecking hobbies. All thanks to Unseen Lurker magazine. Go to UnseenLurker.com. Check out a quarter of the magazine. Check it out. Read it. And I'm certain you'll agree, Unseen Lurker is the number one wargaming magazine out there. UnseenLurker.com. We're back. We are so back. You know what's weird is my my voice has hurt all day. It was scratchy and terrible, and I was drinking tea and trying to talk to my students. And maybe it's because I'm not talking in my loud teacher voice, but... I've done the whole show. My voice has gotten better over the course Well, that's the, the nice the thing show. about a microphone is that you can sound good and not have to shout. Yeah. My dulcet tones over the microphone going out over the international airwaves. Topher and Robot will be right back right after this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Topher and the Fat Robot. Great. Um, it's like BJ and the Bear. <laughs> forget about it. Smokey and the Bandit? Okay. Okay. Yeah, that works, I guess. Um so listen, we um, you know, I talked to Lizardman Jeff earlier, and he's just been so busy with getting married in a month. And congratulations. And, yeah, congratulations, exactly. But, you know, we were just, it was so weird. Today we didn't have a real format. We barely had show notes. Normally our show notes are like two or three pages. It was like a half a page. Well, we're sort of in between everything right now. Yeah. So, so we just wanted you know, to get the conversation flowing. Yeah. But uh, so, I mean, a shout out to the Lizardman Jeff and the Circle City Circuit, which usually brings you the tournament update but yeah, we totally fluffed it on that so well guys the same stuff that we had from before so i mean uh there's uh there's, adepticon there's, obviously is coming up if you don't plan on going to adepticon then that's it i don't know it's it's a little bit like being out of schlitz yeah you're just out you're um, out of it yeah so but listen that's the show i mean we've been talking for at least three three and a half hours here after i edit this and you know i, I hope this didn't suck <laughs> I mean, we, it's probably the least structured show we've ever had, just sitting around just talking. Just, just a conversation about Warhammer, guys. There's no, yeah. uh, there are no, with, with so little to go on this time around, we just wanted to kind of talk about our armies. But I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you uh, got something worth worth taking out of it other than three hours of your life. <laughs> hopefully you got some good painting done. Yeah, or, or you know, hopefully you were got to your destination safely <laughs> maybe maybe this is what you and your uh, your your sweet love make sweet love to eh? oh really no hey honey no. what do you say you and what i do you say we turn on the garage hammer and and totally do it <laughs> oh my god <laughs> totally 
Bow, chicka, bow, bow. You know, actually, I have something terribly I have, wrong here. I have adult cinema music. I have a CD of adult cinema music. It's called Deep Note. <laughs> Are you, you really? Oh, seriously. I think at some point I'll have to bring it over. Someone's going to comment on the fam- the family friendliness of this show just based on this last What's two minutes. What's wrong with Deep Note? It's, uh, it's a Deep Note. Whoa. Deep Note. Now, I'll tell you what isn't okay is the cover. No, stop. I mean, it's great. Stop. Okay, folks, you know what? Just let I'm going to bring it over, and you should like make that the ending credits. Great. Yeah, that's what we should do. Hey, folks, you know what? Go on to iTunes and leave us a review based on how much you enjoy the show, except for these last five or, minutes. Or better yet, leave us a good review. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the store's still open. Store's always open. That's right. So. Um, no one's bought anything in a while, but no. hey, I got to get some shirts. We got to get some new pictures, too. You we know, should talk about if that. If you like drinking, maybe you should go ahead and get yourself a Garage Hammer Stein. Dude, the Stein's pretty nice. It's sweet. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, and hey, uh, Adam Cardone, I guess his band opened for it. It's said on Facebook GNR. I'm assuming he meant Guns N' Roses. Roses. I don't know where the hell they were playing last night, but Adam's band opened for me. I guess Debbie Harry was there and some, Whoa. some a couple of celebrities, and he met a whole bunch of celebrities, and then somebody he's been wanting to tell to go go uh, do themselves for about a year showed up, and as he was walking on sta- off stage, he got to tell them exactly where to go. Uh, he had a great night, apparently. So nice job, Adam. You know, congrats. You know, having a good time with your band and all. So um, that's about it, I think. We should really, I want to do some new pictures for this show. I think I'll take me as a vampire, maybe you as a cast dwarf, and we'll get the Phoenix Prince up on a logo and get some new logo pictures. You want to talk about. to our artist? Yeah. Okay. Because uh, people have been actually asking for shirts with the Phoenix Prince on it. So if we get new logos, new pictures, we can get some new shirts up and get some pictures on. Yeah, our artist, uh, if you like our artist, by the way, I just want to promote her very quickly. Her name is uh, Joan Veritek, and uh, you can find her at uh, Joan, J-O-A-N, Veritek, V-A-R-T, or I-T-E-K, dot com. And she's an excellent artist, a good friend of ours. Yeah. And we'll have to get in touch with her and get some new art for ourselves. Absolutely. I was going to do me as an ogre, but it was just... So stereotypical, big fat guy, John, as an ogre. I just didn't want to do that. But maybe I'll do me as a vampire. There you go. Since I've been playing the vampires, that's the other army. I would not look good as an elf of any sort. So You never know. No. And I think you in a big hat would be just awesome. Hell yeah, Dave Weitz. Yeah. All right, I'm done. Let's go. That's Let's it, guys. Get out of here. Have we'll see time. you guys in the middle of March. Hopefully we'll have some news about something coming out. And, uh, man, if... Uh, well, that's coming out, Mark. That'll be right before the UGG tournament, so we won't have that to report on. We will have. That's right. We'll, um, we are, David and I are preparing for what's called an Adepticon primer at UGG. It's a tournament that is basically use the list that you plan to use, so we're excited about that. I, I know I, I am. am. Yeah, yeah. be fun. Uh, Dave's actually not looking forward to it, I'm and he's been not, weeping, I, yeah. crying like a baby, <laughs> and making fun of everybody, <laughs> throwing darts <laughs> at them. <laughs> that's good. Good, good improv. <laughs> <laughs> We should probably go. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah. So next time, actually, I was thinking maybe we uh, revisit a couple more uh, books of some special characters. Why not? There are a few out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we could we could we could quickly cover the two new guys from the VC and yep. uh, and just rehash the changes for the from the old ones because we did that recently, and then pick a couple more. Sure. There's only one uh, for the Chaos Wars. <laughs> we'll, we'll do them too then. <laughs> we'll get them in there. Razzle done. Yeah, well, 
Well, that's from Tamarcon, but we can skip all those Empire special characters. Yeah, they don't count, right? Yeah, uh, really. Uh, uh, well, let's put it this way. If the Empire gets a new book, and we'll talk about that, then when we do Empire special characters from that book, we'll include the Tamarcon ones. There we go. Give them a big double dose of Sigmarite oh. loving. There's a lot in there for them, too. <laughs> yeah, buddy. All right. All right. Later, Later folks. Hooba, 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 hooba. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. We invite you to join us on Facebook at Garage Hammer Podcast and to follow us on Twitter. If you wish to email us, you can reach Christopher at garagehammeratlive.com. You can reach David at david at garagehammer.net. And if you want to reach the both of us, you can reach us at garagehammeratlive.com. If you enjoyed the show, please let others know about us by leaving us a positive review on iTunes. My name's Gilt. Balthazar Gilt. And I'm neat. They call me Slick Sam. The Flim Flam Man. And quit getting mud on my nice clean floors. Sure, Lieutenant. (laughs) Back. Your butt stinks. (laughs) I'm sorry, that was foul. And I went to the bathroom before that. Uh, yeah. Subconsciously, I saved that for you guys, I suppose. Thanks. <laughs>